Hi, good morning. Happy birthday, Yosef Yitzchak, 25 years old, on this um, fifth day of Tammuz, and uh, it's uh, the 8th of July. Uh, thank you for all the nachas um, you've given me by being so beautiful, um, you and your siblings, inside and out. Uh, may you have everything you need, and... Um, Continue to be uh, nachas for everybody. Okay, I would like to do this uh, morning davening today. Um, and we already know some of the commentary, and you have commentary from um, the Art Scroll, other books you could look up in um, the Jewish bookstore to get commentary on the blessings. And uh, also think to yourself what each one means to you uh, personally. Uh, we never discussed the mitzvah of washing Nagel Vassar. And the mitzvah of washing Nagel Vassar in the morning is the most important thing to do. It's a segula for um, everything. In the Torah anthology, it says we must do this uh, ritual every person. Um, because if we don't, the food that we prepare is contaminated. Um, what is um, behind it is that when our soul goes up to heaven at night, when God takes our soul back to him, uh, the angel of death comes over our body, and we're like a dead person in a cemetery for a minute, and then uh, the, the angel of death flies away when God puts the soul back in our body. So um, God takes the soul to give an accounting for everything we said and did that day. And then he gives it back to us. And uh, it's important to say the night prayer, the prayer of forgiveness, that you forgive everybody before you go to sleep, and the Shema. And... Um, there's a seven-minute night prayer, but say at least that, and at least say the very minimum of personal prayer in the first two lines of Shema. If um, you, you absolutely can't say anything, at least say that, because it makes a very big difference for how your soul is going to give a report to Hashem. So um, Hashem puts the soul back in our body. Then the angel of death flies away, but he stays on the nails. In order to get the spirit off, we have to wash with a cup. Um, you fill up with the right hand, pass to the left, pour over the right, and go back and forth like this. Um, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. Uh, three to four times. Uh, some people have the custom three, some four. And uh, there's a Kabbalistic reasons for that, of that you have to um, establish a, a custom after three times doing something. So it's a reminder that we should uh, make wise choices because on the third time it's kind of set in motion. And uh, when you do something wrong, shown three times in a row, then the um, Yitzhahara has more of a, a hold on you. Uh, it could take uh, you to do things and say things and stuff that you don't want to because of uh, habit. So the first three days of any habit, 
uh, makes an impression on the spiritual world and you want it to go in the right direction that doesn't mean you can't get uh, back a good habit but just means it's going to be harder okay so the right side is symbolic of mercy and the left side justice truth peace and um, first we start with the right hand because God is all merciful all the time and he waits um, when a person does uh, Nevera uh, the third or the fourth time depending on uh, the person and, and what exactly it is so Hashem enacts a tikkun uh, correction um, it could be something small um, but it's uh, is supposed to awaken a person everything that's happening to us is supposed to make us think um, we're not supposed to dismiss the things that happen uh, we're supposed to think why is this person saying this why is this thing happening um, we're supposed to analyze it and uh, you know God is not uh, too complex with us things are quite simple and straightforward and uh, we make things complicated um, but what you know, um, the feelings you have and what you know, um, pay attention to it and, uh, get where you want to go. Um, anyhow, the first time I had this, uh, custom shown to me, the hand washing, I was 14 years old and my grandmother told me she wanted me to, um, watch how she does this and do it myself. So I did. And, uh, I did it religiously for uh, the years to come and it's the thing that uh, I did first thing in the morning and I think it's the thing that must have end up bringing me to uh, the code of Jewish law when I was 17 and discovering the laws and um, taking it from there I mean it all starts with one uh, mitzvah and um, I was reading in a commentary in Perkyevo that we should um, take on uh, one mitzvah to perfection. So this is the one mitzvah that I really loved to do and to teach people because it was the first one that um, my grandmother taught me and I had explained it to um, hundreds of people already of every uh, race and religion and people would take it on and do it uh, when we lived in India any um, religion religious people that came to our house of the religion of uh, Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim Christians Catholics they all came to uh, you know pay uh, a visit in the area um, and we would show them this custom I would um, have them wash at the sink and they would uh, do it every time they came. There was one boy that used to love to do it. He did it 118 times. And um, he said, Madam G, 118 times. So I said, no, no, just four times, four on each hand, eight times. He says, no, 118. Well, he really loved that mitzvah even more than I did. So um, anybody I taught it to, when I met up with them some years later, they were still doing the custom. Somehow, um, 
it's an easy thing to do that is good because if um, you prepare food with uh, Ruach raw on your hands, the evil uh, spirit, if you do that, then the food um, that you eat is affected uh, by it. And, um, and then that could cause... Uh, cause us uh, not to uh, reach our potential and it's also uh, could be uh, dangerous uh, if you put your hands um, to your eyes or ears or nose and mouth um, you will could uh, uh, cause uh, problems from this so um, anyhow do this mitzvah in the morning that's why we say on the tila shadayim I'm very tired today because I woke up when it was dark. I tried to put that exercise first, um, and I danced to some jazz music. I thought 10 sounds like a nice number. So I watched Nagelwasser. I danced to the jazz for 10 songs, and um, I thought it would wake me up, and it did. When I woke up, I was very tired, but I don't like going back to sleep. First thing, my eyes uh, open. I like to wash an egg of Oscar and, you know, um, do the whole real night. I like to shower and do the oral hygiene and everything first. And just, um, if I have to, I'll go back to sleep. But I really uh, don't prefer to. But I suggest it for everybody that, you know, when you get up and you wash an egg of Oscar, do the oral hygiene, take the shower, um, say brachos and if you can and if not just see if you could do a little bit of exercise you have to go back to sleep okay but uh it you because you never know if you wake yourself up if you're now up and then you could just have so much more time to do what you want to do um so if you're able to stay up it's good and then if you find you can't so you go back to sleep for a bit but then um at least you did the most important stuff, right? Okay, so uh, Lubavitch have a custom whenever they get up that they say the brachos and um, then they, if they go back to sleep, they say it again when they get up. And uh, I've been doing this custom uh, most of the time, but uh, this morning I thought that I would say these brachos a lot uh, earlier but I didn't get around because um, Zachary has this uh, um, laryngitis, and I thought, okay, I'll make this um, ginger tea first. And as I was uh, preparing the ginger tea the way we used to in India, by uh, peeling and shredding the ginger and, and putting in the milk and the honey and the tea and everything, uh, it was taking some time, and I thought, while well, that's going, um, I may as well mix up these matzo ball mixes. So um, I did that, and it took much longer than I thought. While the matzo ball mix was waiting, I ended up doing a sink full of dishes, and one thing led to the next. But now we have some uh, matzo ball soup ready, and I want to... Um, and I think the tea helped his throat, but I want to be able to say um, the morning davening because it's getting late, and I'm just going to 
do this without trying to pause in between so much. Um, I'm going to just say uh, the morning brachos and the prayer before Shema and Shema. Okay. I offer thanks to you, living and eternal King, for you have mercifully restored my soul within me. Your faithfulness is great. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Good things come to those who have fear of Hashem. The Torah which Moshe commanded us is the heritage of the congregation of Yaakov. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhena, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and commandments concerning the washing of the hands. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhena, King of the universe, who has formed man of wisdom and created within him numerous orifices and cavities. It is revealed and known before the throne of your glory that if but one of them were to be open or one were to be blocked, it would be impossible to survive, even for a short period of time. Blessed are you, Adonai, who heals all flesh and acts wondrously. My God, the soul which you have given within me is pure. You have created, you have formed, you have breathed it into me, you preserve it within me. You'll eventually take it from me and restore it within me in the time to come. So long as the soul is within me, I offer thanks to you, Adonai, Elhino, and Elhai, my fathers, master of all works, Adonai of all souls. Blessed are you, Adonai, who restores souls to dead bodies. Blessed are you, Adonai, Elhino, king of the universe, who gives a rooster understanding to distinguish between day and night. You give a heart understanding to distinguish between right and wrong. Blessed are you, Adonai, Elhino, king of the universe, who opens the eyes of the blind. Thank you for eyesight, prescription glasses, insight and data, resolve problems. Thank you for all of our senses and limbs and organs. May we serve you correctly to make a Kiddush Hashem in private and public in intention, thought, prayer, speech, and deed in every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. In this lifetime, in this generation, please bring Mashiach Hashem and let it be as if Mashiach is here from our good and pure intentions, thoughts, prayers, speech, and deeds. Hashem, Hashem, please forgive us for the things that we thought, said, and did wrong before you, against you or against any person, by accident or on purpose, in this incarnation or in any other. Please forgive us, Hashem, and help us to forgive each other. Um, blessed are you, Adonai Elhenu, King of the Universe, who releases the bound. Thank you for taking us out of Egypt, releasing innocent prisoners, um, including Avram Avinu, Yosef Atzadik, Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's and um, Rabbi Kiva, etc. Um, thank you for getting us out of the house, for helping us to solve our problems, and for bringing Mashiach. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhenu, King of the Universe, close the naked. Thank you for Tzniah's clothes, whether appropriate clothes, good Jewish character through learning and applying. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhenu, King of the Universe, give strength to the weary. You give us mental, emotional, psychological, physical, material, financial, um, intellectual and social, as my friend Malka Fega Basketo says, and spiritual, as King David says, strength. May we serve you with all these strengths and make the smartest and smartest decisions that we will not regret. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhina, King of the Universe, who spreads forth the earth above the waters. You give us land to walk on and drive on in the wonders of creation on land. Thank you for everything you have created in the six days and Sabbath and the Jewish holidays. May we um, be Zohar to keep everything and may we keep it in your mercy. Uh, may you send us the knowledge and may everybody light a uh, Shabbos candle and a candle for the holidays. Blessed you, Adonai Elhenu, King of the Universe, who directs the steps of man. You help us to walk. You help us to breathe. Um, you make our every move. And you guide our schedule, and you help us to plan, and you make the plans. Blessed are you, Adonai Elena, King of the Universe, who has provided me with my every need. 
um, Torah, children, and everything in the heavens, the earth, the sea, our home, family, clothes, food, nutrients. Bless to you, Adonai Elohim, King of the universe, girds the people of Israel with might. Thank you for giving us 10 commandments and 613 commandments to do with joy and enthusiasm and all of the parsiot of the week, the books Barashas, Shemos, Fayikra, Bamidbar, and Devarim, uh, with the commentaries Rashi, Rambam, Ramban, Uncle Sarbar, Benil Radek, Matsudas, Rabbi Hirsch, etc. Um, please let it be as if we learned all of this with each one of our children and each one of our family members and each one of Kleisrael and um, and taught the seven Noahide laws to every um, people of all the different races, all the people that have Hashem has created, everyone. Um, may we all um, thank him, praise him, and thank him, and uh, request of him what we need. Bless to you, Adonai Elhina, King of the universe, crowns the people Israel with glory. Thank you for helping us to keep our specific mitzvos um, and be a light to the nations. Please help us to do that, Hashem. Bless to you, Adonai Elhina, King of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile woman. Um, please help all of the Jewish women to uh, keep the laws of Yehud, um, Nida, Mikvah, marriage, and uh, Basimcha, and have and marry their true Basharits, um, those that are married to um, people that need to convert. May they convert and have um, and have a, a wonderful marriage. Um, if uh, people are with the people they need to, uh, it's not going to work, and uh, they try everything. May they be able to get out and meet their uh, true Basharit and May everybody um, just uh, keep track of uh, their day and their feelings in a diary every day to be able to um, move forward. And may the schools implement um, knowledge of God, like the Rebbe says, in the morning. And may they also start to teach um, everybody about um marriage and child rearing and the things that are the most important in life which is family um family is the most important and uh this should be taught in the schools all the topics that uh are the most neglected but there's a lot online that you can um learn about it uh through um the sages and the orthodox rabbis you should tap into that um, okay, bless to you, Adonai Elhina, King of the Universe, has made me in accordance with his will. Um, may all women um, and and may all couples uh, put their children first. Put their children first and in their um, thoughts and prayers and what they could do for them and um, give them the independence they need, but give them the um, love that they need and the uh, security that they need and may all children be able to speak to their parents whenever they need to speak to them about anything that they want blessed to you Adonai Elhenu, king of the universe who removes sleep from my eyes and slumber from my eyelids 
and may it be your will. Adonai Elheinu and I'll have our fathers to custom us to study your turn to make us cleave to your commandments. Do not bring us into sin, nor into transgression, or iniquity, nor into temptation, or scorn. And may the evil inclination not have mastery over us. Keep us far from an evil person and an evil companion. Make us cleave to the good inclination and to good deeds, a compelling inclination to be subservient to you. Grant us this day and every day grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes, and in the eyes of all who behold us, and bestow bountiful kindness upon us. Blessed to you, Adonai, who bestows bountiful kindness upon his people Israel. May it be your will, Adonai, I know, and I'll have my fathers to protect me this day and every day from insolent men and from impudence, from a wicked man, from an evil companion, from an evil neighbor, and from an evil occurrence, from an evil eye, from a malicious tongue, from slander, from false testimony, from man's hate, from culminous charges, from unnatural death, from harsh diseases, and from misfortune, from the destructive adversary, and from a harsh judgment, from an implacable opponent, whether or not he is a member of the covenant, and from the retribution of Gehenna. Blessed to you, Adonai Elhanu, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and commandments concerning the words of the Torah. Adonai Elhanu, make the teeth of your Torah pleasant in our mouths and in the mouths of your entire people, the house of Israel. May we, our children, and the children of your entire people, the house of Israel, be knowers of your name and students of your Torah for its own sake. Blessed to you, Adonai, who teaches the Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed to you, Adonai Elhanu, King of the universe, who has chosen us from among all the nations and has given us his Torah. Blessed to you, Adonai. Who gives the Torah? And Adonai spoke to Moshe, saying, "Speak to Aaron and to his son, saying, Thus she bless the children of Israel, say to them, Adonai bless you and guard you. Adonai make his countenance shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai turn his countenance towards you and grant you peace. And they shall set my name upon the children of Israel, and I shall bless them. These are the precepts for which no fixed measure is prescribed, leaving the crops of the edge of the field for the poor, the gift of the first fruits, pilgrimage offerings brought when appearing before Adonai on the three festivals." Deeds of kindness in the study of Torah, these are the precepts of fruits of which man enjoys in this world, while their principal reward remains in the world to come, honoring one's father and his wife, honoring one's mother and her husband, performing deeds of kindness, early attendance at the house of study, morning and evening, hospitality to strangers, visiting the sick, dowering the bride, escorting the dead, concentration and prayer, bringing peace between man and his fellow man, and between husband and wife, and the study of Torah is equivalent to them all. here we shall say um, this is uh, my favorite prayer so one before um, Shema Blessed to you Adonai Ahainu, King of the universe who forms light and creates darkness who makes peace and creates all things in mercy he gives light to the earth and to those who dwell thereon and in his goodness he renews each day continuously the work of creation and manifold are your works, O Adonai, you have made them all with wisdom. The earth is full of your possessions. King who alone is elevated from every time, extolled, glorified, and exalted from the time of creation. God of the universe, in your abounding mercies, have compassion on us. Master of our strength, rock of our stronghold, shield of our deliverance, a refuge for us. The blessed God, great knowledge, prepared and made the radiance of the sun. The beneficent one created glory for his name. He set the luminaries around his majesty. The chiefs of his hosts are holy beings that exalt the omnipotent, continually recounting the glory of God and his holiness. Be blessed, Adonai Elheinu, in the heavens above and on the earth below. For all your praiseworthy handiwork and for the light-giving luminaries which you have created, they shall glorify you forever. Be eternally blessed, our rock, our king, and our redeemer, who creates holy beings. 
Praise be your name forever, our King who creates ministering angels and whose ministering angels all stand in the heights of the universe and proclaim in all, aloud in unison the words of the living God and sovereign of the universe. All of them are beloved, all are pure, all are mighty, all are holy, and all perform the will of their maker with fear and awe, and all of them open their mouths in holiness and purity, with song and melody, and bless and adore, glorify and revere, hallow and ascribe sovereignty to the name of the Almighty God, the great, powerful, and all-inspiring King. Holy is he, they all take upon themselves the yoke of heavenly kingship, one from the other, with love grant permission to each other, to sanctify their maker with joyous spirit, with pure speech and sacred melody, all exclaiming in unison and with awe, and declaring in reverence, Holy, holy, holy is Adonai of hosts, all earth is full of his glory. And the Ophanim and the holy Chayot with a mighty sound raise towards his raven and facing them offer praise and say, Blessed be the glory of Adonai from its place. They chant sweet melodies to the blessed God. They utter hymns and sing praises to the King, the living and eternal God, for he alone exalted and holy performs mighty deeds and makes new things. He is the master of battle. He sows righteousness, causes deliverance to spring to sprout forth, creates healing. He is awesome and praise, master of wonders, who in his goodness renews each day continuously the work of creation. As it is said, give thanks to him and makes the great lights, for his kindness is eternal. <coughs> Blessed are you, Adonai, who creates the luminaries. Adonai, Elhenu, you have loved us with everlasting love. You have bestowed upon us exceedingly abounding mercy, our Father, King, for the sake of your great name and for the sake of our forefathers who trusted in you and whom you taught the laws that bring eternal light to carry out your will with a perfect heart be gracious also does and teach us our father merciful father is compassionate have mercy on us and grant our heart understanding to comprehend and to discern to perceive to learn and to teach to observe to practice and to fulfill all the teachings of your Torah with love enlighten our eyes in your Torah cause our hearts to cleave to your commandments and unite our hearts to love and fear your name and may we never be put to shame disgrace or stumbling because we trust in your holy great and awesome name may we rejoice and exult in your salvation Adonai Elhane, may your mercy and your abounding kindness never ever forsake us. Hasten and speedily bring upon us blessing and peace. Bring us in peace from the four corners of the earth. Break the yoke of the nations from our neck and speedily lead us upright to our land. For you are God who performs acts of deliverance and you have chosen us from among all the nations and tongues and have in love brought us near. O our King, to your great name that we may praise you and proclaim your oneness and love your name. Blessed are you, Adonai, who chooses his people Israel with love. El Malach Naaman Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kavol Malzol Alam Va'ed You shall love Adonai Eloheinu with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them thoroughly to your children. You shall speak of them when you sit in the house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be for a reminder between your eyes, and you shall write them upon the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. And it will be if you will diligently obey my commandments, which I enjoin upon you this day, to love Adonai Elhane, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. I will give rain for your land at the proper time, the early rain and the late rain, and you will gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. And I will give grass in your fields for your cow, and you will eat and be sated. Take care, lest your heart be lured away and turn astray, and worship bailing gods about down to them. For then Adonai's wrath will flare up against you, and he will close the heavens, so there will be no rain, and the earth will not yield its produce, and you will swiftly perish from the good land which Adonai 
gives you. Therefore, place these words of mine upon your heart and upon your soul, and bind them for a sign on your hand, and they shall be for a reminder between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, to speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you rise, and you shall inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be prolonged on the land, which I deny swore to your fathers to give to them for as long as the heavens are above the earth. I did not spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and tell them to make for themselves fringes on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to attach a thread of blue on the fringe of each corner. They shall be to your senses, and you shall look upon them and remember all the commandments of Adonai and fulfill them, and you will not follow after your heart and after your eyes by which you go astray, so that you may remember and fulfill all my commandments, and be holy to your God. I am Adonai Ahinu, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I, Adonai, am your God, true and certain, established and enduring right and faithful, beloved and cherished, delightful and sweet, awesome and mighty, correct and acceptable, good and beautiful, is this to us for all eternity. Truly the God of the universe is our King. The stronghold of Yaakov is the shield of our deliverance. He endures in his name, endures throughout all generations. His throne is firmly established, and his sovereignty and his truth abide forever. His words are living and eternal, faithful and pleasant forever, and to all eternity for our fathers, for us, for our children and our descendants, and for all the generations of the progeny of Israel, your servants. From the first to the last generation, your word is good and eternal and truth, the trustworthiness, a law that will never be abrogated. Truly you are our denial, Hainu, and Elohim of our fathers, our king, the king of our fathers, our redeemer, the redeemer of our fathers, our stronghold, the stronghold of our salvation, our deliverer and rescuer, which is your name from of old. We have no other God besides you ever. Okay, I'm going to continue uh, saying some of the davening. I thought I could get this to you before davening time is up, but um, I don't think that I could do that. But never, nevertheless, I'm going to say it within the time frame that I have to say it. And uh, you can have it for uh, tomorrow or any day. Okay, so um, I want to say for Monday, a psalm for Monday. Today is the second day of the week, which the VM in the base I make just used to say a song, a psalm by the sons of Korah. I do know he's great and exceedingly acclaimed in the city of God, his holy mound, beautiful in landscape, the joy of the whole earth, his Mount Zion, on the northern slopes, the city of the great king in our citadels, God became known as a tower of strength, for behold, the kings assembled, they advanced in concert to invade her, they saw the wonders of the Almighty and were astounded, they were terror-stricken, they hastened to flee, trembling seized them there, pangs as of a woman in the throes of labor, they were crushed as by an east wind that shatters the ships of Tarshish, as we have heard, so we have seen in the city of Adonai, of host in the God. In the city of our God, may God establish it for all eternity. God, we have been hoping for your kindness to be revealed within your sanctuary. As your name, O God, is great, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the towns of Judah exult. Because of your judgments, walk around her and circle her. Count her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Behold her lofty citadels that you may recount it to a later generation. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will lead us eternally. Okay, let's do um, Parak Shira now. And uh, it is the second day of the week towards the Sabbath. So on the first day of the week towards Sabbath, we did chapter 1. And now it's the second day of the week towards the Sabbath. So we'll do chapter 2. Parak Shani, chapter 2. Shir Hayom Halila. 
Hashamayim, a song of the day, night, and the legions of heaven. This book comes with beautiful pictures. I hope that everybody will get um, a Parak Shira. And the Rebbe's Book of Faith and the Tehillim um, and the Pirkei Avot, which is included, the Pirkei Avot is included in the uh, Siddur. I have Tehillah Tashem Siddur. Anyhow, um, here we go. Yom Omer, the day says, Hayom liyom yabia Omer, Malayla lalayla yechaveh da'as. Day following day utters speech, and night following night declares knowledge. Psalms. The Midrash speaks of day and night as models of honesty and symbols of trust. In spring and summer, the long days borrow hours from the night. Then in fall and winter, when the days are shorter, the day returns its borrowed hours. The day speaks to us and says that God provides what we need, and there is no need to relax standards of honesty. More, day and night teach by example that people should share what they have and not be confident and be confident that God will not leave them the losers. Lila Omer, the night says, Lahagit baboker kastecha bemunas ha balelos. To relate your kindness in the dawn and your faith in the nights. Psalms. Night symbolizes faith in God. In the evening prayer we say, True and faithful is all this. The darkness of night symbolizes exile and travail, times when we cannot see the fulfillment of God's promises, but our faith remains impregnable as granite. So too we, we entrust our soul to God every night. In the morning it wishes to remain near its glory, near his glory and holiness. Why should it return to the spiritual darkness of earth? But we know that God will restore us to life and vigor. Night, teacher of faith. Shemesh Omer, the sun says, Shemesh Shereach Ahmad Zavullah Laod Laor Ahitzecha Yahal Lechu Lenoga Barak Hanisecha. The sun and the moon stood still in their abodes. Israel would travel by the light of your arrows, by lightning flash of your spear. Habakkuk. The sun is a symbol of respect for God and generosity to others. When Yahushua commanded it to stop and let Israel pursue its enemies, it stood still. The Midrash relates that the sun is reluctant to rise in the morning because idolaters will worship it. How dare I illuminate the world and bring disrespect to God? But prodded by God's will, his arrows and spear, it fulfills its assigned task. And generously, the sun floods the moon with its light so that the earth's barren satellite can bring a glow to our nights. Yareach Omeris, the moon says, Asa Yareach Lamoadim Shemesh Yada Mevo'o. He made the moon for festivals. The sun knows its destination. Psalms. A mere observer sees phases of the moon, an astute thinker wonders why it had to be that way. The psalmist tells us why. God created the moon to be the basis of our calendar, the timeline of the festivals. The moon represents renewal, the idea that neither history nor the human spirit nor Israel must ever grow stale. It is a symbol that, though Israel's fortunes and spiritual stature may wane, Israel will always renew itself. The sun, Earth's primary source of energy, shares this mission by providing the light that the moon will radiate to Earth. Kechavim Omrim, the stars say, Atahu Adonai Levadecha, Atah Sisa Es 
השמיים, שמי השמיים וכל צבעם, הארץ וכל אשר עליה, הימים וכל אשר בהם, ואתה מחיה אס כולם, וצבא השמיים לכל משתחווים. You alone are Hashem, you have made the heavens the most exalted heavens, and all their legion, the earth and all that is upon it, the seas and all that is in them, and you give them life, and the heavenly legions bow to you, Nehemiah. This verse was declared by the Jewish people in the early days of the Second Temple era, Nehemiah, after one of history's greatest displays of national repentance. It is a proclamation of God's infinite greatness, of his total mastery of every element of the universe. How vast is creation? It is infinitely larger than people in the days of Nehemiah could possibly even imagine. Almost every day, powerful telescopes see new suns, some of them bigger than the distance from our tiny planet to our little sun. They see galaxies that dwarf ours, a constantly expanding universe, and it all bows to the master of the heavenly legions. Avim Omrim, the thick clouds say, Yashis Choshech Sisro Savivo Sav Suhuso he made darkness his concealment, his shelter surrounding him, the darkness of water, the clouds of heaven. Psalm. The cliche is that every cloud has a silver lining. Indeed, sometimes God seems to surround himself with thick, dark clouds, clouds like persecution, exile, suffering. Where is he? Why is he concealed? Why is the sky dark? Why is the sun in hiding? And then the clouds open up and drench the earth with life-giving rain. Yes, God was there all along, preparing the way for human survival. So the clouds tell us never to despair because he is always present, even when we can't see him. Anne kavod omarim, the clouds of glory say, Af bari yatri ach av, yafitz, yafitz, anan, even when it is clear, he thickens clouds. He spreads out his rain clouds. Job. During its 40 years in the wilderness, Israel was graced, protected, and given light by the clouds of glory. The Talmud teaches that the Jewish people had no need for sunlight. The holiness of the clouds gave them all the light they needed. So, too, when the earth needs rain, God can bring it even when the clouds are thin. He thickens them with moisture and gladdens the dry wood. And Glad it's a dry world. Ruach Omer, the wind says, Omer let Safon teni ula seman al tichlai havi i vanai merachuch uvenosai mixe haaretz. I will say to the north, deliver them, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Isaiah. I mean, um, the wind sings Isaiah's songs of hope to the children of Israel who are exiled in every forlorn corner of the earth. When the time comes, God will command the four winds to bring his children home. From every direction they will come. No longer will holiness be found in isolated pockets like tiny rays of little candles. Once again, the temple and its people will be a wellspring of spiritual life for all the world. Berakim Omarim, the lightning says, Berakim Lamatar Asa, Motse Ruach Meotz Rosav, 
He made lightning bolts for the rain. He brings forth winds from his treasury. Psalms. A lightning bolt is sudden and frightening. It packs a lethal charge, lethal charge of electricity and heats the air around it to 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit and brightens the darkest night for an instant. The sages see it as a sign of God's control of nature because the fire of lightning combines with the moisture of rain and neither destroys the other. Fearsome and destructive though it can be, lightning announces rain and the wind that brings the clouds where they are needed. Tal Omer, the dew says, Ehyeh katal l'Yisrael, Yefrach kashoshanah v'yach sharashav kalvanun. I will be to Israel like the dew, and he will blossom like a rose bush, and he will strike roots like the cedars of Lebanon. Hosea. In the midst of Hosea's classic and passionate call for repentance, God assures Israel of his mercy and readiness to take them back despite their sins, like the beloved always welcome dew which falls every day, whether or not we deserve it. God always awaits us, ready to accept us in his loving embrace. Thus, dew is the symbol of hope, and that is why the sages speak of the dew as the elixir that will bring the dead back to life with the coming of Messiah. Geshem Omarim, the rain say. Geshem Nedavos Na Ta Nif Elohim. Nakaloska Venil A Ata Kananta. You lavished a generous rain, O God, when your heritage was where you established it firmly. Psalms. The rain says, Rain represents more than water. It is a necessity of life and a focus of Israel's prayers. An entire tractate, Tanis, is devoted to the special prayers and fast days that were declared in the land of Israel when there was a drought. In the land where rains are few and the need is great, the dependency on prayer symbolizes the closeness of God to Israel. He is attentive and concerned, and when his children call to him, he lavishes rain generously. And that is the second chapter of Perak Shira. And now we should do the second chapter of Pirkei Avot. Um, in your Tehillat Tashem, Pirkei Avot. <laughs> is on page 271. And that's chapter one, but chapter two is on page 273 at the bottom. All Israel have a share in the world to come, as it is stated, and your people all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. They have the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, in which do you take pride. Call Yisrael, call Yisrael, Yeshlahem chaylech la'olam haba. Shana amar va'amek kulam sadikim le'olam. Yershu aretz netzer matai maasei yadai la hispa'er. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi said, Which is the right path that a man should choose for himself, that which is honorable to himself and brings him honor from man? Be as careful in the performance of a seemingly minor mitzvah as of a major one, for you do not know the reward given for the mitzvah. Consider the loss incurred in the performance of a mitzvah against the reward earned by its observance, and the gain derived from a sin against the loss that will follow. Reflect upon three things and you will not come to sin. Know what is above you and I that sees 
an ear that hears and all your deeds are recorded in a book. Rabbi Gamliel, the son of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi said, It is good to combine the study of Torah with an occupation, for the effort required by them both keeps sin out of mind, while all Torah study not combined with work will in the end seize and leads to sin. All who occupy themselves with the affairs of the community shall be engaged with them for the sake of heaven. For the merit of the fathers assists them, and their righteousness endures forever. And upon you, says God, I will bestow great reward, as though you had accomplished it all by yourselves. Be wary of those in power, for they befriend a person only for their own benefit. They seem to be friends when it is to their advantage, but they do not stand by a man in his hour of need. He is to say, fulfill his will as you would your own will, so that he may fulfill your will as though it were his will. Set aside your will because of his will, so that he may set aside the will of others before your will. Hello said, Do not separate yourself from the community. Do not be sure of yourself until the day you die. Do not condemn your fellow man until you have stood in his place. Do not make an ambiguous statement which is not readily understood in the belief that it will ultimately be understood. And do not say, When I will have free time, I will study, for perhaps you will never have free time. He used to say, A boar cannot be sin-fearing, nor can an ignoramus be a chassid, one who does more than the strict letter of the law requires. The bashful person cannot learn, neither can the short-tempered teach, nor can anyone who is much occupied in trade become a scholar, and in a place where there are no men strive to be a man. He also saw a skull floating on the water. He said to it, Because you drowned others, they drowned you, and ultimately those who drowned you will themselves be drowned. He used to say, Increasing flesh increases worms in the grave. Increasing possessions increases worry. Increasing <coughs> increasing the number. <coughs> Get rid of those possessions. Okay, um, increasing the number of wives increases sorcery. Increasing maidservants increases lewdness. Increasing manservants increases thievery. But increasing Torah increases life. Increasing assiduous study increases wisdom. Increasing counsel increases understanding. Increasing charity increases peace. One who has acquired a good name has acquired it for himself. One who has acquired for himself Torah knowledge has acquired for himself life in the world to come. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai received the oral tradition from Hillel and Shammai. He used to say, if you have learned much Torah, do not claim special credit for yourself, since for that very purpose you were created. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai had five outstanding disciples, and they were Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkinus, Rabbi Yeshua ben Kananya, Rabbi Yossi the Kohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Natanel, and Rabbi Elazar ben Arach. He used to enumerate their praiseworthy qualities. Rabbi Eliezer ben Horkinus, a cemented cistern which does not lose a drop. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, happy is she who bore him. Rabbi Yossi the Kohen, a chassid, a pious, kind-hearted person, doing more than the requirement of the law. Rabbi Shimon ben Natanel, sin-fearing, and Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, like a fountain which flows with ever-increasing strength. He used to say if all the sages of Israel were on one side of the scale and Eliezer ben Harkonnes were on the other, he would outweigh them all. Abba Sol said in his name, if all the sages of Israel, including even Eliezer ben Harkonnes, were on one side of the scale and Elazar ben Ark were on the other, he would outweigh them all. He said to them, go and see which is the good way to which a man should cleave. Rabbi Eliezer said a good eye. Rabbi Yeshua said a good friend. Rabbi Yossi said a good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon said one who considers the consequences of his actions. Rabbi Lazar said a good heart. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to them, I prefer the words of Elazar ben Ark to all of yours, for in his words yours are included. He said to them, Go and see which is the evil path from which a man should keep far away. Rabbi Eliezer said, An evil eye. 
Rabbi Yoshua said, a wicked friend. Rabbi Yossi said, a wicked neighbor. Rabbi Shimon said, he who borrows and does not repay. One who borrows from man is as one who borrows from God. As it is stated, the wicked one borrows and does not repay, but the righteous acts graciously and gives. Rabbi Elazar said, a wicked heart. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to them, I prefer the words of Elazar ben Ark to all of yours, for in his words yours are included. They each said three things. Rabbi Eliezer said, Let the honor of your fellow be as dear to you as your own, and do not be easily angered. Repent one day before your death. Warm yourself by the fire of the sages, but beware of their glowing embers, lest you be burned, for their bite is the bite of a fox, their sting is the sting of a scorpion, their hiss is the hiss of a serpent, and all their words are like fiery coals. Rabbi Yeshua said, The evil eye, the evil inclination, and hatred of one's fellow drive a man from the world. Rabbi Yossi said, Let the money of your fellow man be as dear to you as your own. Prepare yourself for the study of Torah, for it does not come to you through inheritance, and let all your deeds be for the sake of heaven. Rabbi Shimon said, Be meticulous in reading the Shema and in prayer. When you pray, do not make your prayer a routine perfunctory act, but rather entreaty for mercy and supplication before God, as it is stated, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of the evil decree. And do not consider yourself wicked in your self-estimation. Rabbi Elazar said, Be diligent in the study of Torah. Know what to answer an unbeliever, and know who, before whom you toil, and who your employer is that will pay you the reward of your labor. Rabbi Tarfran said, The day is short, the work is much, the workmen are lazy, the reward is great, and the master is pressing. He used to say, It is not incumbent upon you to complete the work, yet you are not free to desist from it. If you have studied much Torah, much reward will be given to you, and your employer is trustworthy to pay you the reward for your labor. But know that the giving of the reward to the righteous will be in the world to come. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akasha said, The Holy One, blessed be he, wished to make the people of Israel meritorious. Therefore he gave them Torah and mitzvahs in abundant measure. As it is written, Adonai desired for the sake of Israel's righteousness to make the Torah great and glorious. That was chapter 2 of Birkei Avot. So now we will do um, chapter 2 of uh, Tehillim. We have this humongous Tehillim. Um, and we have a two. Let's first, before we do chapter two, um, let's do um, just Psalm 26 for um, Yosef Yitzhak, and then I'll do all the kids' sums uh, later. 26, by David, judge me. O God, for in my innocence I have walked, and in God I have trusted. I shall not falter. Try me, O God, and test me. Refine my mind and heart. For your kindness is before my eyes, and I have therefore walked in your truth. I did not sit with men of falsehood and with hypocrites. I will not enter. I detested the company of evildoers, and with the wicked I will not sit. I wash my hands in purity, and only uh, then circle your altar, O God, to give voice to you. Uh, to give voice to thanks and to recount all your wonders. I love the shelter of your house, O God, and the place where your glory resides. Do not gather my soul along with sinners, nor my life with men of bloodshed, and whose hands are schemes, and whose right hand is filled with bribes. As for me, I walk in my innocence, redeem me, and show me favor. My foot stands on level ground, and assemblies I will bless God. Okay, let's do the commentary for that. Uh, 26. Bechaneni. Hashem vini seni um sarfa kiel yosai 
Billy B. Try me, O God, and test me. Refine my mind and heart. David said, Test me as you tested Avram and Yitzchak, who withstood their trials and were willing to go through with the sacrifice of Yitzchak. Refine or forge me like Yosef, who was tested with the advances of Potiphar's wife and was found to be strong. But when God indeed tested him, David said, I don't have the strength to overcome it. Please lighten this burden up from from upon me. From this we learn that a person should not attempt that which is beyond him. He should not be overconfident. If David, who had such lofty attributes enumerated in the verses below, had to ask God not to test him, how much more so should the average person not ask to be tested? Midras Tehillim, see Sanhedrin. Purpose of test. God tests us in various ways. The test that David asked for is the opportunity and temptation to sin. The purpose of such test is to elevate us to a higher spiritual level, which occurs when we pass the test. The test requires us to call upon our innate sense of disdain for defying God's will implanted within our souls at Sinai. Moreover, realizing that the test is an expression of God's desire to draw us closer to him gives us additional strength to overcome the challenge. The test creates a false sentiment, the overwhelming feeling that the challenge is too great to overcome and and sin is inevitable. By resisting this darkness, we draw upon ourselves a light a divine light of unusual loftiness, one that is called darkness, because it transcends the sort of divine light that can normally be revealed. Furthermore, by removing the divine concealment caused by the test, we remove a concealment that exists within ourselves. As mentioned, we have an innate disdain for divine God's will. This disdain is super rational and is the and is thus concealed from our cognitive selves. By overcoming the test and thereby removing the divine concealment it created, we remove our own inner concealment. The dissonance between super rational and the cognitive. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch who Yosef Yitzhak is named for. Okay, Ki chastuchav v'neged enai v'hishalachti ba'amitecha. For your kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I am always mindful of the many kindnesses you have done for me, and therefore never waver from walking in your truth. Mary. Ve'im na'alamim lo' yavo'l. With hypocrites, literally hidden ones, I will not enter. The verse refers to hypocrites as hidden ones, na'alamim, because they gather in hidden places to do their misdeeds in secret, Rashi, or because they hide their wickedness behind a facade of righteousness, Miri. Um, so, Hashem should help us. Okay, so, Nesi, Lakahal, Amirayim, Vim, Rishayim, Lo, a shave. Um, Hashem should help us to be sincere in our um, in our desire to come close to Him and to come close to Him with joy and enthusiasm, and help us um, with all we need to serve Him. And our actions affect our thoughts, speech, and deeds affect everybody. Okay, I detested the company of evildoers, and with the wicked I will not sit. Rather, my home is the house of my God, and to there do I go always. Radak. Um, er chatz be 
Nikoyos, Kapai, Baasov, Va S. Mizbaha Hashem, I wash my hands in purity and the only and only then circle your altar, O God. Unlike the wicked who bring their sacrifices with bloody sinful hands, I wash my hands in purity, ensuring they are free of sin. Only then do I circle your altar to bring sacrifices, since otherwise the offering is not received favorably by God. Radak Matsudot. According to Rashi, David is saying that the mitzvot he performs are untainted by theft. As the Talmud teaches, the stolen lulav is invalid. Rashi. Um, Rashi's interpretation, which is based on Vayikra Rapa, accounts for David's reference to circling the altar, since it was customary to circle the altar on Sukkot while holding a lulav. See Ibid and Sukkah. Lash mi a bekol Torah ulasa per kol niflo secha to give voice to thanks and to recount all your wonders. I enter the house of your altar to give thanks for the kindnesses you did for me in saving me from troubles and to recount the wonders you performed for me in those difficult times. Rada to recount all your wonders alludes to the Hallel Psalms. 113 to 118 which contains praise for the wonders God performed in the past and for those he will perform in the future during the war of Gog and Magog during the days of Mashiach at the time of the world to come Rashi Sivayikra Rabba Hashem Haftim Aon Secha. I love the shelter of your house, O God. This refers to the place that housed the ark, the gathering place of the Levites, Kohanim, prophets, pious ones, holy ones, and servants of God. Rada, Umakom, Meshkan, Kavodecha, the place where your glory resides. In the place that housed the ark, God's glory rested upon the prophets. Rada, it goes without saying that David loves the sages who dwell in God's house and their words. Furthermore, he loves the very walls of God's house and its stones, knowing that God's presence dwells there. Yavitz, Besecha umakom, Mishkan kavodecha, your house, O God, and the place where your glory resides, the temple on earth, your house, is set opposite its heavenly counterpart, the place where your glory resides, Tehumah. Where to study? Abayah said, At first I would study at home and pray in the synagogue. Once I grasped the import of David's statement, I love the shelter of your house, I began to study in the synagogue. Megillah 29a. Okay, va'ani, basumi, eilech. As for me, I walk in my innocence. Unlike the wicked mentioned in the previous verse, who scheme and act dishonestly, I walk in innocence both in thought and in deed. Radak. Abraham's innocence. Walking with innocence also suggests an unquestioning faith in God. As the Talmud relates, when Avram was going to sacrifice Yitzhak, he was confronted by Satan, who attempted to dissuade him from following God's command. Satan said, should the one who loves you have tested you with something that will de debilitate you and eliminate your progeny? You have brought so many to him with your teachings, and now he comes to debilitate you and confound you? Avram responded, As for me, I walk in my innocence. I will fulfill God's request without questioning it. Satan challenged him again, but Avram remained firm. Once Satan saw that Avram would not listen to him, he said, I heard that the lamb will be for a burnt offering, and Yitzhak will not be for a burnt offering. 
to which Avraham responded, such is the price paid by the liar. Even when he speaks the truth, one does not listen to him. Sanhedrin. Um, mm -hmm. And Rashi. Mm -hmm. Okay, I wash my hands in purity. Erechatz benika yon kapai. I wash my hands in purity. Our sages instituted that we wash our hands each morning in preparation for reading the Shema and the morning prayer. For during the night, our hands have presumably come in contact with parts of the body that are considered unclean. Support for this ritual is derived from the verse, I wash my hands in purity, and only then circle your altar, O God, to give voice to thanks. When water is unavailable, one can use any material that cleans. Since the verse does not state, I wash my hands with water, but rather I wash my hands in purity, literally in cleanliness. Nevertheless, it is a mitzvah to seek out water. Shulchan Aruch HaRav, or HaChayim, from Barachot. Well, I just learned that. Okay. That's another uh, opinion in addition to the one I learned. Okay. Um, I want to bless all my children. Fegarachal Baruch Baselka, Hershel Mordechai Ben Elka, Estravikal, Bashkovazikali, Aliyah Ben, Estravikal, Beniyahu Ben, Estravikal. Akiva Ben Esther Avigal, Malkasima Susi Cyril Devasha Orna Aviva Avigaya El Panina Masa Matsa Masala Masha Maza Mazel Tova Kilarina Disa Hedva Ohova Afa Shalomi Bas Alka Ve Esther Avigal, Yoshua Yavitz Ura Yona Ben Alka, Nasha Gershom Rafael Panul Ben Elka, Yoshua Yavitz Uriel Yona Ben Elka, Manasha Gershom Rafael Panul Ben Elka, Ephraim Eliezer Gabriel Eliyahu Ben Elka, Tihila Shira Bas Elka, Yohannes and Yosef Ben Ruzva Elka, Yaakov Elias Shifra Sara Bas Elka, Esther Chaim Mushkarachala Bas Elka, Aaron Ben Yisrael David Menachem Mendel Ben Elka Yosef Yitzchak Ben Elka Happy Birthday Um Shmuel Levi Ben Elka Yevarecha Chadinai Vishmerecha Yerdinai Panavi Lachvichana Yisadinai Panavi Lachviyasim Lachashlom May my girls be just like Sara, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. May my boys be just like Ephraim and Manasseh. May all the Jewish boys and men be just like Ephraim and Manasseh. May all the Jewish girls and women be just like Sara, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. And may all the Jewish nation and all of the seven Noahides uh, praise Hashem and be uh, basimcha, uh, be happy and with enthusiasm and good health to do God's will. May all the people undergoing surgery today have a successful surgery and a complete immediate refuah May all the Jewish people have kosher mezuzahs that are placed in the right direction. May um, all the 
Jewish books, all the holy books, wherever they are, in all the synagogues and shuls, um, and in people's homes, and uh, benchers, restaurants, and um, all the holy books everywhere. May they be placed in the right direction. May none be upside down. May none be backwards. May they not be stained. May they not be torn. May they be cleaned. May they be patched up. May Shamos be buried properly, gathered and buried properly. Amen, Selah. Okay, we're going to do the second chapter. Monday, a psalm, a song of the dedication of the house by David. I exalt you, God, for you have uplifted me and did not allow my enemies to rejoice over me. God, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. God, you have brought up my soul from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not descend to the pit. Sing to God, you as pious ones, and praise his holy name. For his wrath endures but for a moment. In his favor there is long life. When one retires at night weeping, joy will come in the morning. In my security I thought I shall never falter. God, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. When you concealed your countenance, I was alarmed. I called to you, O God, and I made supplication to my God. What profit is there in my death? Am I going down to the grave? Can thus praise you? Can it proclaim your truth? God, hear and be gracious to me. God, be a help to me. You have turned my mourning into dancing. For me, you have undone my sackcloth and girded me with joy. Therefore, my soul shall sing to you and not be silent. God, my God, I will praise you forever. Okay, we have to go back to um, the beginning and say the prayer before reciting Talim during the week. May it be your will, O Adonai, El and El our fathers, who chooses his servant David and his offspring after him, and who chooses songs and praises, that you turn with mercy to the reading of the Psalms of Talim that I shall read as if King David of blessed memory himself had said them. May his mirror protect us. May the mirror of the verses of the Tehillim and the mirror of their words, letters, vowels, and cantillations, as well as the divine names formed by the acronyms of the initial and final letters, stand us in good stead to atone for our transgressions, iniquities, and sin, to cut down tyrants and cut off all the thorns and briars that surround the supernal rose, to unite the bride of youth with her beloved with love, brotherhood, and fellowship, and from that unification may an abundant sustenance be drawn to our spirit, breath, and soul to purify us from our iniquities, forgive our sins, and atone for our transgressions. Just as you forgave David who said these psalms before you, as it says, Adonai has also removed your sin, you will not die. May you not take us from this world before our time, before the completion of our years, which number 70, so that we may repair that which we have ruined. May the merit of King David of blessed memory shield over us and around us, that you may be patient with us until we return to you in complete repentance. May you favor us from your treasury of gratuitous gifts, as it is written, I favor those whom I favor, and I am merciful with those upon whom I take mercy and justice. We sing praise before you in this world, so may we merit, O Adonai Elhena, to sing songs and praises before you in the world to come. And through the saying of Tehillim, may the tulip of Sharon be inspired to sing with a sweet voice, with happiness, and with joy. May the glory of the Lebanon be given to her majesty and splendor in the house of our God. Speedily in our days, Amen, Selah. Come, let us sing to Adonai. Let us raise our voice in jubilation to the rock of our deliverance. Let us approach him with thanksgiving. Let us raise our voice to him in song. For Adonai is a great God and a great King over all supernal beings. For the conductor, Psalm by David. 
In you I have taken shelter, O God, I shall never be shamed. Rescue me in your righteousness, turn your ear to me and save me quickly. Be to me a rock, a refuge, a fortress to deliver me. For you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, direct me and lead me. Remove me from the net they have planted for me. For you are my stronghold, I entrust my spirit into your hand, you will redeem me. God, God of truth, I despise those who anticipate salvation from worthless vanities, but I trust in God. When you will save me from my foes, I will rejoice and delight in your kindness. For you have seen my affliction, you knew the troubles of my soul. For you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy, you have set me my feet on spacious ground. Be gracious to me, O God, for I am in distress, my eye wastes away from vexation, my soul and my stomach, for my life is spent in sorrow, my years in sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones are wasted away because of my adversaries i have become a disgrace exceedingly to my neighbors and a dread to my friends those who see me outside flee from me like a dead man i was forgotten from the heart may i i became like a lost vessel for i have heard the slander of the many tear on every side when they assembled together against me and plotted to take my life but i trusted in you O god i said you are my god my times are in your hands. Save me from the hands of my enemies and pursuers. Shine your countenance upon your servant. Deliver me in your kindness, O God. Let me not be shamed, for I have called to you. Let the wicked be shamed. Let them be silent to the grave. Let the lips of falsehood, which speak insolently against the righteous, with arrogance and contempt, be struck dumb. How abundant is your good that you have hidden for those who fear you in the presence of man. You have acted for those who take refuge in you. Conceal them from the haughtiness of man in the shelter of your countenance. Hide them in a, sh in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed is God for you has been wondrous and his kindness to me in a besieged city. I said in my panic, I am cut off from your eyes. But in truth, you heard the voice of my pleas when I cried to you. Love God, all his pious ones. God preserves the faithful and repays with exactness those who act haughtily. Be strong and fortify your hearts, all who put their hope in God. By David of Moscow, fortune is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Fortune is the man for whom God does not reckon his sin, and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I was silent, my limbs wore away through my wailing all day long. For day and night I worried that your hand would come, become heavy upon me. My morrow became dry as the draughts of summer. Selah, my sin I will make known to you, my iniquity I will not cover. I said I will confess my transgressions to God. And you will forgive the iniquity of my transgression forever. Therefore, let every pious one pray to you in an opportune time. Indeed, the flood of the many waters not reach him. You are refuge for me. Protect me from distress. Surround me with songs of deliverance forever. I will enlighten you and educate you in the path you should go. I will advise you based on what my eye has seen. Be not like a horse, like a mule, senseless, that must be muzzled with bit and brittle when being adorned so that it not come near you. Many are the agonies of the wicked, but he who trusts in God is surrounded by kindness. Rejoice in God and exalt you, righteous ones. Sing joyously, all you upright of heart. Sing joyously to God, you righteous ones. It is fitting for the upright to offer praise. Extol God with a harp. Sing to him with a ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play well with sounds of jubilation. For the word of God is just. All his deeds are done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The kindness of Adonai fills the earth. By the word of Adonai, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the water of the sea like a mound. He places the deep waters in vaults. Let all the earth fear God. Let all the inhabitants of the world tremble before him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded it and endured. 
God has annulled the counsel of nations. He has foiled the schemes of peoples. The counsel of God stands forever. The thoughts of his heart endure throughout all generations. Fortune is the nation whose God is God. The people he chose as a heritage for himself. God looks down from heaven. He beholds all mankind. From his dwelling place, he looks intently upon all the inhabitants of the earth. It is he who fashions their hearts together, who perceives all their actions. The king is not saved by great army, nor is a warrior rescued by great might. The horse is a false guarantee for victory. With all its great strength, it does not provide an escape for its rider. But the eye of the God is upon those who fear him, towards those who hope for his kindness to save to save their soul from death and to sustain them during famine. Our soul yearns for Adonai as our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him. For we have put our trust in his holy name. May your kindness, God, be upon us as we have placed our hope in you. By David, when he feigned insanity before Avimelech, who then drove him away and he left, I will bless Adonai at all times. His praise is always in my mouth. My soul glories in God. Let the humble hear it and rejoice. Exalt God with me and let us extol his name together. I sought God and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who looked to him in their troubles became radiant. Their faces were not humiliated. This pauper called and God heard. He delivered him from all his tribulations. The angel of Adonai camps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that Adonai is good. Fortune is the man who trusts in him. Fear God. You as holy ones for those who fear him. Suffer no want. Young lions may want in hunger, but those who seek Adonai shall not like any good thing. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of Adonai. Who is the person who desires life, who loves the days wherein to seek goodness? Guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of God are directed towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The wrathful face of God is upon the evildoers to excise their memory from the earth. But when they repent and cry out, God hears and saves them from all their troubles. God is close to the broken heart and saves those with a crushed spirit. Many are the afflictions of a righteous person, but God rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Wickedness brings death upon the wicked, and the enemies of the righteous are condemned. God redeems the soul of his servants. All who take shelter in him are not condemned. By David, fight my antagonist. O God, battle those who battle against me. Take hold of a shield and armor and arise to help me. Draw a spear and bar the way before my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your deliverance. Let those who seek my life be shamed and disgraced by their failure to harm me. Um, let those who devise my harm retreat and be humiliated. Let them be as chaff before the wind. Let the angel of Adonai thrust them away. Let their path be dark and slippery as an angel of God chases them. For without cause they have laid their nets in the pit for me. Without cause they have dug pits for my soul. Let darkness come upon him unawares. Let the very snare that he hid trap him. The darkness he will fall into it. And my soul shall exult in God. Rejoice in his deliverance of me from my enemies. My entire being shall declare God who is like you. Who saves the poor from the one stronger than he. The poor and the destitute from the one who would rob him. Corrupt witnesses rise up against me. They demand of me things of which I do not know. They repay me with evil for good. I have done with, for the good that I have done to them. They seek death for my soul. Yet I wore sackcloth when they were ill. I afflicted my soul with fasting so that God would heal them. Let my prayer return upon my own bosom as if it were my friend, my brother. I went about like a mother in mourning. I was bent over in gloom. But when I limped, they rejoiced and gathered to rejoice over my illness. The lowly gathered against me, and I do not know what I have done to them. They laugh and cannot be quiet with flattery and scorn for the sake of earning a meal from my enemy. They gnash their 
their teeth in anger against me. My God, how long will you look on? Restore my life from their darkness, from the young predatory lions, my soul. I will then thank you in a great assembly amid a mighty nation. I will praise you. Let not those who hate me because of a false accusation rejoice over me. Let not those who despise me without reason wink their eyes in derision, for they speak not of peace. Rather, they scheme deceitful matters against the broken of the land. They opened their mouths wide in mockery against me. When they saw my misfortune, they said triumphantly, Aha, aha, ours have seen the fulfillment of our desire. You saw, God, be not silent, my God, be not distant from me. Rouse and awaken yourself to my judgment, to my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me according to your righteousness, God, my God. Let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say, even in their hearts, Aha, we have our desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him. Let them be shamed and disgraced together, those who rejoice at my trouble. Let them be clothed in shame and humiliation, those who raise themselves arrogantly over me. Let those who desire my vindication sing joyously and be glad. Let them say always, Let God be exalted. He who desires the well-being of his servant. My tongue will speak of your righteousness, your praise all all day long for the conductor by the servant of God by David I think in my heart sin says to the wicked one that fear of God should not be before his eyes for sin makes itself appealing to him so that God will discover his iniquity so that God will hate him the speech of his mouth is evil and deceit he fails to reason to improve on his bed he contemplates evil he stands in a path that is not good he does not despise evil oh god your kindness is to the heavens your faithfulness is until the skies your righteousness is like the mighty mounds your judgments extend to the great deep man and animal you deliver oh god how precious is your kindness O god people will take shelter in the shadow of your wings they will be filled by the abundance of your house from the stream of your Eden, you will give them to drink, for the source of life is with you, in your light do we see light. Extend your kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of the arrogant overtake me. Let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There in their place may the doers of evil fall, thrust down, unable to rise. By David, do not associate with the wicked. Do not envy the success of doers of injustice. For like grass, they will be swiftly cut down. Like green visitation, they will wither. Rather, trust in God and do what is virtuous. Then you will abide in the land and be nourished by your faith. Delight in God, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Cast your needs upon God and rely on him, and he will take care. He will reveal your righteousness like the light, your justice like the high noon. Depend on God and hope in him. Do not associate with the prosperous one, with the man who intends invents evil schemes let go of anger and abandon rage do not associate with the one who intends only to harm for the evildoers will ultimately be cut down but those who hope in god they will inherit the earth for in just a little while the wicked one will not be you will gaze at his place and he will be gone but the humble shall inherit the earth and delight amid abundant peace the evildoer plots against a righteous person and gnashes his teeth at him my god laughs at him for he sees that his day will come the wicked have drawn a sword and bent their bow to fell the poor and destitute and to slaughter those of upright ways but their sword shall enter their own hearts and their bows shall break Better the little of the righteous than the abundant wealth of the wicked. For the arms of strength of the wicked will be broken and their wealth lost. But God supports the righteous and they retain their possessions. God pays particular attention to the days of the innocent to lengthen their lives. Their inheritance in the world to come will last forever. They will not be shamed in times of calamity and in days of famine. They will be satisfied for the wicked shall perish and the enemies of God will be consumed, consumed in smoke. 
Like the fattest sheep upon the altar, the wicked man borrows and does not repay, but the righteous man is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him because of their generosity will inherit the earth, and those cursed by him because of their greed will be cut off. A righteous person's steps are set firm by God. He desires his way and ensues its success. When he totters, he shall not be thrown down, for God supports his hand. I have been a youth, and I have also aged, yet I have not seen a righteous person forsaken, nor his offspring begging for bread. All days kind and lends his offspring are a blessing. Therefore turn away from evil and do good, and you will dwell in peace forever, for God loves justice. He will not abandon his pious ones. They are protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked are cut off. The righteous shall inherit the earth and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous one utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The Torah of his God is in his heart. His steps shall not fall. The wicked one watches for the righteous person and seeks to kill him. But God will not abandon him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Hope in God and keep his way, and he will raise you high to inherit the earth. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I saw a powerful wicked man, well-rooted like a vibrant native tree, yet... He vanished. Behold, he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. Watch the innocent and observe the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But sinners shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked is cut off. The deliverance of the righteous is from God. He is their strength in time of distress. God helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they have put their trust in him. A psalm by David to remind, O God, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chastise me in your wrath, for your arrows have already landed in me. Your hand has already descended upon me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your rage, no peace in my bones because of my sin, for my iniquities have, as if reached beyond my head, drowning me like a heavy load. They are too heavy for me. My wounds reek. They have rotted because of my folly. I am bent down bowed very much. All day long I go about in gloom, for my loins are filled with burning fever. There is no soundness in my flesh. I am weakened and I am depressed. Very much I howl from the moaning of my heart. My God, all that I desire is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart is engulfed. My strength has left me. The light of my eyes, they too are not with me. My friends and companions stand afar from my affliction. My intimates stand at a distance. The seekers of my life have laid traps. Those who seek my harm speak destructiveness. They utter deceits all day long. But I act like a deaf man. I do not hear. I act like a mute who does not open his mouth. I was like a man who does not comprehend and whose mouth there are no rebutals. Because for you, O God, I waited. You will answer, O God, my God, for I said, least they rejoice over me when my foot falters. They will gloat over me, for I am accustomed to limping, and my pain is constantly before me. For I relate and admit my iniquity, and I therefore worry because of my sin. But my enemies abound with life. Those who hate me without cause flourish. Those who repay evil for good resent me for my pursuit of good. Do not forsake me, O God, my God. Do not be distant from me. Hurry to my aid, for you, O God, are my salvation. For the conductor, for the singer, Yudutin, a psalm by David, despite my suffering, I said that I would guard my ways from sinning with my tongue by questioning God's justice. I would guard myself as there was a muzzle to my mouth while the wicked one is before me. I became as if mute because of all my silence. I was silent even from the good, lest I begin speaking of the bad. Though my pain was crippling, my heart grew hot within me. A fire blazed in my utterance when I spoke with my tongue. Oh God, let me know my end, what it is, the measure of my days that I may know when I will cease. Behold, like a short hand breast, you set my days. My lifetime is as naught before you entirely futile as all mankind's existence, Zella. 
Only in darkness does man walk, not knowing when he will die. Entirely futile is their craving for wealth. He amasses riches and knows not who will reap them after his death. And now what is my hope, my God? My longing is for you. Rescue me from all my transgressions by forgiving them. Do not make me the scorn of the degenerate. I was mute. I did not open my mouth and complaint for you caused my suffering and you are just. But now remove your affliction from me. It is enough since I am devastated by the attack of your hand. In reproach for sin you chasten man like a moth you wore away that which is precious to him. Thus all mankind is nothing but futility. Selah, hear my prayer. Hear my prayer, O oh God. Listen to my cry. Do not be silent to my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a resident like all my forefathers. Turn away your punishment from me, that I may recover my strength before I depart to the grave, and I am no more. For the conductor, a psalm by David, I hoped, yes, I hoped in God. He turned to me and heard my cry. He raised me from the turbulent pit, from the slimy mud, and set my feet upon the rock, steadying my steps. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn to our God. Multitudes will see God saving me and fear him, and will begin to trust in God. They will declare, fortune is a man who has made God his trust, and did not turn to the haughty ones and those who stray after falsehood. You have done much, O God. You, O oh you, God, my God, your wonders and thoughts were for our sake. None can compare to you. Were I to relate or speak of them, they are too numerous to recount. You neither desired, you desired neither sacrifice nor meal offering, but obedient ears you opened for me. You requested neither burnt offering nor sin offering. Then at Sinai, I, the Jewish nation, said, Behold, I have come to accept the Torah. Indeed, so it is written about me in the scroll of the book of the Torah. I desired to fulfill your will, my God, and your Torah is in my innards. I proclaimed your righteousness in a vast congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O God, you know. I did not conceal your righteousness within my heart. I declared your faithfulness and deliverance. I did not hide your kindness and truth from the vast congregation. May you, God, likewise not restrain your mercies from me. May your kindnesses and truth constantly guard me, for countless evils surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They outnumber the hairs of my head, and the strength of my heart has abandoned me. May it please you. I do not just save me. O oh God, hurry to my aid. Let those who seek my life to end it be shamed and humiliated together. Let those who desire my harm retreat and be disgraced. Let those who gleefully say about me and my troubles, Aha, aha, be desolate in returning for their shaming me. Let all those who seek you exalt and rejoice in you. Let those who love your deliverance always say, Be exalted, O God. As for me, I am poor and needy, and God will count this as a merit for me. You are my help and my rescuer, my God. Do not delay. For the conductor, Psalm by David, fortune is the one who is thoughtful of the poor. God will save him on the day of calamity. God will guard him and keep him alive. He will yet be praised throughout the land. You will not be deliver him to the desires of his enemies. God will support him on the bed of illness. You will turn him over in his bed all throughout his sickness. I said, God, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My foes say that evil awaits me. When will he die in his name perish? And if one comes to see me, he speaks insincerely. In his heart, he gathers words of iniquity for himself of which to speak when he goes outside. Together they whisper against me, all my enemies against me. They devise my harm, saying, Let his wickedness pour unto him, and now that he lies down, he shall raise no more. Even my alien, whom I trusted, who ate of my bread, has raised his heel over me. But you, I deny, be gracious to me, and raise me up, and I will repay them. With this I shall know that you desire me, when my enemies will not shout gleefully over me. And I, because of my integrity, you upheld me. You set me before you forever. Blessed is 
Adonai Elheinu of Israel from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Amen and Amen. It says book two, but we're still on, um, we're still on day number two. For the conductor Moscow by the sons of Korach, as deer cries longingly for brooks of water, so my soul, the Jew in exile, cries longingly for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when will I come and behold the countenance of God? My tears have been my bread day and night, when they say to me all day, Where is your God? These do I recall and pour out my soul from within me. How I traveled to Jerusalem and covered wagons. I would walk leisurely with them up to the house of God amid the sound of rejoicing and thanksgiving, the celebrating multitude. Now comforting himself, he says, Why are you downcast, my soul, and why do you wail within me? Hope to God, for I will yet thank him for the deliverances of his countenance. But the soul is not comforted. My God, my soul is downcast upon me because I remember you from when we would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem from the land of Jordan and Hermon's peaks from Mount Mitzar yet. Now deep waters call to deep waters to accost me at the roar of your water channels. All your breakers and waves have swept over me. By day God will ordain his kindness, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life, who gives me life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk in gloom under the oppression of the enemy like a sword in my bones? My adversaries disgrace me when they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, my soul, and why do you wail within me? Hope to God, for I will yet thank him. He is the deliverance of my countenance and my God. Jews of the exile declare, Avenge me, O God, and champion my cause against an unkind nation. That persecutes me. Rescue me from the man of deceit and iniquity. For you are God of my strength. Why have you abandoned me? Why must I walk in gloom under the oppression of the enemy? Send your light and your truth. They will guide me. They will bring me to your holy mountain and to your sanctuaries. Then I will come to the altar of God. To God, the joy of my delight and praise you on the lyre. O God, my God, why are you downcast, my soul, and why do you wail within me? Hope to God, for I will yet thank him. He is the deliverance of my countenance and my God. For the conductor by the sons of Korach and Moscow. God, with our ears we have heard, our fathers have told us of the deeds you have wrought in their days and the days of old. You drove out nations with your hand and planted Israel in their place. You afflicted peoples and banished them, for not by their sword did they inherit the land, and their own arm did not save them. But by your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, for you favored them. The psalmist now addresses the present. You are my king, O God, decree the salvation of Yaakov with you, with your help. We will gore our adversaries. With your name, we will trample our opponents. For I do not trust in my bow, and my sword cannot save me. For you have delivered us from our foes in the past, and you shame those who hate us. In God, we glory all day and forever thank your name. Even before you save us, sell us. Yet not only do you not save us, you even abandon and disgrace us and do not go forth with our armies. You cause us to retreat from the oppressor and those who hate us plunder for themselves. You deliver us like sheep to be devoured and scatter us among the nations. You sell your nation without gain and do not set a high price upon them. You make us a disgrace to our neighbors the scorn and derision of those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a cause for the nodding the head mockingly among the peoples. All day long my humiliation is before me, and the shame on my face covers me. At the voice of the reviler and blasphemer, because of the foe and avenger, all this has come upon us, yet we have not forgotten you, nor have we been false to your covenant. Our hearts have not retracted, nor have our steps strayed from your path, even when you crushed us in the place of serpents and cruel nations, and shredded us in the 
shadow of death, do we forget the name of our God in our hearts and extend our hands to a foreign God? God can examine this, whether we forgot him from our hearts, for he knows the secrets of the heart. Rather, for your sake, we are killed all the time when we refuse to worship foreign gods. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Arise, why do you sleep, O God? Wake up, do not abandon us forever. Why do you conceal your countenance? Why do you forget our affliction and distress? For our souls are bowed to the dust, our bellies cleave to the earth. Arise, be our help and redeem us, even if we are not worthy, for the sake of your kindness. For the conductor upon the Shoshanim by the sons of Korach, a mosque, a song of love. My heart is astir with a noble theme. I say my composition is for the King Mashiach. My tongue is the pen of a skillful scribe. You are the most beautiful of men. Charm is poured upon your lips as you speak. Therefore has God blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one. It is your majesty and splendor, and with your splendor succeed and ride on because of your truth and righteous humility, and your right hand will guide you to awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp, and nations fall beneath you. The arrows fall into the hearts of the king's enemies. Your throne granted you, to you by God is forever and ever, for the scepter of justice is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, anointed you with oil of joy above your peers. Mar and Olives and Cassia are the fragrance of all your garments brought to you from your ivory palaces, which brings you joy. Daughters of kings, nations of the world, visit you and the queen. The Jewish people stands erect at your right hand, adorned in the fine gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and observe. Incline your ear. Forget your people in your father's house. Then the king will desire your beauty, for he will be your master, and you will bow to him. The daughter of Tar, the wealthiest of nations, will seek your favor with a gift. Every noble woman and princess who generally remains within her chambers, whose clothing surpasses settings of gold and embroidered garments, she will be brought to the king. The maidens in her train, her companions, will be led to you. They will be brought with gladness and joy. They will enter the palace of the king. Your sons will succeed your fathers. You will appoint them ministers throughout the land. I will cause your name to be remembered throughout the generations. Therefore will the nations acknowledge you forever and ever. For the conductor by the sons of Karak on the Alamota song. God is our refuge and strength to help in distress and very accessible to us. Therefore we will not be afraid when the earth is transformed, when the mountains collapse in the heart of the seas when its waters roar and are muddy and mountains quake before his grander cellar. But the river that emerges from Jerusalem, its streams will bring joy to the inhabitants of the city of God, a sacred place dwelling of the Most High. God is in her midst. She will not falter. God will help her at the approach of the morning of redemption. Nations clamor, kingdoms stumble. He raised his voice and the earth dissolves for God of hosts is with us. God of Yaakov is our stronghold forever. Go and see the works of God who has wrought devastation in the land. To the end of the earth he causes wars to cease. He breaks the bow, snaps the spear, and burns the chariots of war and fire. Let go of war and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, exalted upon the earth. Israel will then say, God of hosts is with us. God of Yaakov is our stronghold forever. For the conductor, Psalm by the sons of Korach. All you nations, clap hands, sound the shofar to God with the sound of jubilation. For you now recognize that God is most high, awesome, a great king over all the earth. He subdues people under us, nations beneath our feet. He chooses our heritage, the land of Israel, and restores it 
for us a land that is the glory of Yaakov, since it contains the holy temple, which he loves eternally. God ascends through this teruah. God ascends through the sound of the shofar. Therefore sing, O sing to God, sing, O sing to our king, for God is now king over all the earth. Sing an enlightening song. For God now reigns over all the nations, not just Israel. God is now seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations are gathered to become a nation of Avraham's God. For the kings of the earth have come to God, whose name is now greatly exalted. A song, a song by the sons of Korah. God is great and exceedingly acclaimed when he rests his presence in the city of God, Jerusalem, his holy mountain, most beautiful of regions, the joy of all the whole of the whole earth is Mount Sion on the northern side of Yerushalayim city of the great king when God dwells in her palaces he is known as its tower of strength for behold the kings assembled they advanced in concert to invade Yerushalayim they saw the wonders of the almighty and were astounded they were terror stricken they hastened to flee trembling seized them there pangs as of a woman in the throes of labor with a mighty east wind you shatter the ships of Tarshish, as we have heard from the prophets of old, so we have seen fulfilled in the city of the God of hosts, in the city of our God. May God establish it for all eternity. God, we have been hoping for your kindness as to be revealed within your sanctuary. As your name, O God, is great, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the towns of Yehuda exalt because of your judgments. Walk around Zion and view her beauty. Encircle her, count her numerous towers. Consider well her ramparts to beautify and strengthen them. Raise up and strengthen her citadels that you may recount its height and beauty to a later generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will lead us eternally. For the music conductor in the temple is psalm by the sons of Korach. Listen to this, all nations. Pay heed all who inhabit the earth, sons of common folk and sons of nobility, rich and poor alike. My mouth speaks wisdom and the thoughts of my heart convey understanding. I will incline my ear to the parable, the Torah. I will unravel my riddle with the harp. Why am I afraid in times of trouble? Because the sins I trod upon surround me. Those who rely on their wealth, who boast of their great riches, should certainly fear, since a man cannot redeem his brother when the time of death comes, nor pay his own ransom to God. Mm -hmm. The redemption of their souls too costly and forever unattainable. One Can one live forever never to see the grave? Though he sees that wise men die, that a fool and the senseless both perish, leaving to others their wealth, yet in their inner thoughts their houses will last forever, their dwellings for generation after generation, which they named after themselves throughout the lands. Man who reposes without the glory of the soul is compared to the animals, so he appears. This is their way, their folly remains with them, and when confronted with their demise, um, demise uh, with their mouths, Insincerely they beseech God for eternal life. Like sheep they are destined for the grave. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright will dominate them at morning. Their form will rot in the grave away from their mansions. But God will redeem my soul from the hands of the grave, for he will take me forever. Do not fear when a man grows rich, when the prestige of his house increases. For when he dies, he will take not a thing. His prestige will not descend after him, for he should have sought blessing for his soul in his lifetime, not just for his body, but all will praise you if you better yourself. Think about the generation of this, of his forefathers. They shall not see light for all eternity. Man who is endowed with glory but does not perceive he is compared to the animals, so he appears. Asam by Asaf. The Almighty 
Adonoyel Henu, he will speak and call to the inhabitants of the earth to recite from the rising of the sun to its setting from east to west. Out of Zion, the place of perfect beauty, God will appear. Our God will come and he will no longer be silent about Israel's suffering. A fire will consume Israel's enemies before him. His surroundings are furiously turbulent. He will call to the heavens above and to the earth to avenge his people. God will also declare, gather to me my pious ones, forgers of my covenant at Sinai over a sacrifice. Then the heavens declared his righteousness, for God is judge forever. Listen, my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God, not for the lack of your sacrifices will I rebuke you, nor is the absence of your burnt offerings continually before me. Were I to need sacrifices, I would not take oxen from your house, nor goats from your pens, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle of a thousand mountains. I know every bird of the mountains and the crawling creatures of the field are in my possession. Were I hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and everything in it is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice to God with confession and repentance. And fulfill your vows to the Most High. Then call to me on the day of distress, and I will free you, and you will honor me. As to the wicked one, God says, What does it help you to recount my laws and bear my covenant, the Torah, upon your lips? For you hate discipline and throw my words behind you. If you see a thief, you run with him, and your chosen lot was with adulterers. You set forth, sent forth your mouth for evil and attach your tongue to deceit. You sit down to talk against your brother, your mother's son you defame. You have done these things, and I kept silent. So you imagine that I am like you, but I will rebuke you and lay it clearly before your eyes. Understand this now, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to save you. He who offers a sacrifice accompanied by confession honors me, and to him who sets right his way I will show the deliverance of God. Here it says Tuesday now. So I see that this uh, book of Tehillim is also divided into five books. It's divided into seven chapters and divided into five books. So maybe uh, we should do a book a day. Um, we should do a book a day. That will be five days. So that will be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Then on Friday, we could do uh, the Parsha. Uh, this week's Parsha is Kuchas. And um, we could do that with the... Wow, it's raining cats and dogs here. Like, I have never seen it rain like this before. Um, looks like the rains that we used to get in India. Okay, I'm going to read now from... Uh, well, first, I would like to finish up uh, the Psalms from the morning since we didn't do that this, uh, this morning with the uh, Ashray and those Psalms. Okay. And then we'll read from, I believe, Letters by the Lubavitch Rebbe on Faith, Chapter 2. Okay. So let's go to the back of the. Tehillim, and we'll start with Ashrei. A psalm of praise by David. I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will bless your name forever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever. God is great and immensely praised. His greatness cannot be fathomed. One generation will laud your works to the next generation. They will tell of your mighty acts. 
I will speak to the masses about the splendor of your glorious majesty and of your wondrous deeds. They will proclaim the might of your awesome acts, just as I recount your greatness. They will express the remembrance of your abounding goodness, and they will sing of your righteousness. God, <coughs> excuse me. God is gracious and compassionate, slow, slow to anger, and of great kindness. God is good to all, and his mercies extend over all his works. All your works will give thanks to you, and... Uh, <coughs> O oh God, and your pious ones will bless you. They will declare the glory of your kingdom, and they will tell of your strength to make known to people his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingship is the kingship of all worlds, and your dominion is throughout all generations. God supports all who are falling, and he strengthens up all who are bent. The eyes of all creatures look expectantly to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God is righteous in all his ways and benevolent in all his deeds. God is close to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him, hears a cry, and delivers them. God watches over all who love him, and he will destroy all the wicked. My mouth water the praise of Adonai, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever. We will bless Adonai from now to eternity. Praise Hashem. Praise God, praise God, O oh my soul, I will sing to God while I am still alive. I will chant praises to my God while I yet exist. Do not place your trust in nobles, in inefficient benefactors, immortal man who lacks the means for deliverance. For when his spirit departs, he returns to his earth, and that day all his plans perish. Fortune is he whose help is in the God of Yaakov, whose hope rests upon Adonai Eloheinu. For he makes heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He keeps the truth of his promise forever. He renders justice to the press. He gives food to the hungry. Adonai releases those who are bound. Adonai opens the eyes of the blind. Adonai strengthens those who are bent. Adonai loves the righteous. Adonai watches over the strangers. He gives strength to the orphan and the widow, and he thwarts the way of the wicked. God shall reign forever. Your God who dwells in Zion shall reign throughout all generations. Praise God. Praise God, sing to our God, for he is good. Praise befits him, for he is pleasant. God rebuilds Jerusalem. He will gather the banished of Israel. He who heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He names all of them in accordance with their function. Great is our master in abounding in might. The multitude of creations produced by his wisdom is beyond number. God strengthens the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Lift your voices to God in gratitude. Sing to our God with the harp. He who covers the heaven with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass grow upon the mountains, he gives to the animal its food. To the young ravens who cry out, he does not desire those who place in their trust in the strength of the horse, nor does he want those who rely upon the thighs, the swiftness of man. He wants those who fear him, those who place their hope in his kindness. Praise God, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, extol your God. O inhabitants of Zion, for he has strengthened the bolts of your gates. He has blessed your children in your midst. He who grants peace within your borders, he satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He who sends his command rain to the earth and his word, the rain. Run swiftly to fulfill its task. He who gives snow that is white, white like fleece, he scatters frost like ashes. He sends his ice like morsels. Who can withstand his coal? He sends his word, rain and su rain or sun, and it melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. He tells his words of Torah to Yaakov's statutes and ordinances to Israel. He is not done so for any other nations, and they do not know his ordinances. Praise. Adonai, praise Adonai, praise Adonai from the heavens, praise him the lofty heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all the shining stars, praise him heaven of heavens and the waters that are above the heavens, let them praise the name of God for he commanded and they were created, he has established them forever for all time, he issued a decree and it shall not be transgressed, praise God from the earth, sea monsters and all the twelve in the depths. 
fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, carrying out his command, the mountains and all hills, the mountains and all hills, fruit bearing trees and all cedars, the beast and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhina, King of the universe, who reenacts the works of creation. Blessed are you, Adonai Elhina, King of the universe, whose might and glory fill the world. Kings of the earth and all nations, rulers and all judges of the land, young men as well as maidens, elders together with young lads, let them praise the name of God, for it, his name is sublimely transcended. It is unto himself its radiance alone is upon the earth and heaven. He raised the glory of his people, increased the praise of all his pious ones, the children of Israel, the people close to him. Praise Adonai. Praise Adonai. Sing to Adonai a new song. His praise will be recounted in the assembly of the pious ones. Israel rejoice in its maker. The children of Zion will delight in their king. They will praise his name with dancing. They will play music to him with the timbrel and harp. For God desires his people. He will join the humble ones with salvation. The pious will exalt in glory, and they will sing upon their resting place. The exaltation of God is in their throat, and a double-edged sword in their hand to bring retribution upon the nations, rebukes upon the peoples, to bind their kings with chains, and their nobles with iron fetters, to execute upon them the prescribed judgment. It shall be a glory for all his pious ones. Praise Adonai. Praise Adonai, praise Adonai in his holy place. Praise him in the ferment of his strength. Praise him by recounting his mighty acts. Praise him abundantly in accordance with his abundant greatness. Praise him with the call of the shofar. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instrument and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let every soul praise God. Praise God. Oh, that out of Zion will come Israel's deliverance. When Adonai returns the captivity of his people, Yaakov will exalt Israel, rejoice the deliverance of the righteous is from God. He is their strength in time of distress. Adonai helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they have put their trust in him. May it be your will, oh, oh, I don't know, you'll hate and I'll have our fathers that are in the mirror of the second book of Tilm that we have read before you, which corresponds to the book of Shemot, that in the mirror of the Psalms therein, and in the mirror of its verses, and in the mirror of its words, and in the mirror of the holy and pure divine names that are derived thereof, that you should grant us atonement for our all of our deliberate sins, pardon us for all of our transgressions, and forgive us for all of our trespasses, which we have sinned and transgressed and trespassed before you. Return us with complete repentance before you. Guide us in your service and open our hearts to the study of your Torah. Send a full recovery to the sick of your nation, um, to all the Jewish boys and men that are sick, uh, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physically, materially, financially, intellectually, socially, spiritually, and to all the girls and women of Israel who are sick, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physically, materially, financially, intellectually, socially, spiritually, please heal them. And the righteous, the righteous of the nations who are ill, Proclaim liberty for captives and freedom for prisoners and all those traveling by land, crossing oceans or rivers. Rescue them from any distress and harm so that they reach their destination alive and well. Remember the childless, giving them healthy offspring who will serve and fear you. Bring back children that are in foster care to their um, mother and to their, uh, to their parents who will care for them. Let them be in contact uh, by phone, by letter, 
by email, by pictures, by uh, WhatsApp, in person, until they are together again. Uh, care for the pregnant women of your nation that they not miscarry. Out of your abundant, abundant mercy, protect them. Uh, protect from all evil the women giving birth. Ensure that nursing women will not lack milk in their breast. Help everybody stick to their diet and exercise program and live in a clean and organized environment and get their laundry done and have good relationships and do teshuva and write in their diary every day and um, have solutions for all their challenges within minutes. Nullify all harsh, neither um, a diphtheria nor any form of evil spirit should afflict the children of your nation, the house of Israel. Raise them to your Torah to Study the Torah selflessly. Shield them from eyes of the envious, from pestilence and plagues, and from the antagonists and the evil inclination. Nullify all harsh and evil decrees against us or any one of your nation, the house of Israel, wherever they live. Incline the heart of the government to act favorably with us, to enact good laws for us. Bestow blessing and success upon all our handiwork. Prepare our livelihood with your expansive and full hand, so that people of your nation, the house of Israel, need not rely upon one another nor any other nation. Grant each and every person ample livelihood and, and to all that which they need quicken and hasten our redemption and build our temple of holiness and splendor in the merit of your 13 attributes of mercy recorded in your Torah um, Adonai Adonai mighty merciful and gracious long suffering and abundant in love and truth keeping truth for thousands of generations forgiving iniquity transgression and sin and who erases the invocation uh, which is never returned from you empty-handed. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the sake of your name's honor. Rescue us and grant us atonement for our sins for the sake of your name. Blessed is Adonai forever. Amen and amen. Thank you, Hashem, for helping us. Now, I believe, I believe chapter 2, Chapter 2, Faith in the Jewish People And you will be special treasure for me from amongst the nation, Shemos. Faith in God goes together with faith in Jewish people and in Jews because they are Jews from a talk the Rebbe gave on the 10th of Shvat. Because we are the chosen people and people of the book and the spirit and because we are connected to our Jewish identity, there is no physical power in the world that can endanger our eternal existence. Lekutei Sichos, letter from the days of Sefiris HaOmer. This chapter contains letters in which the Rebbe writes about what it means to have faith in the spiritual potential of the Jewish people and of every individual Jew. Some letters discuss the unique role of the Jewish people in the world and others focus on the spiritual treasures that are hidden within every Jew. Many of the letters in this chapter were addressed to well-known public figures in Israel such as David Ben-Gurion and Ariel Sharon and deal with what are usually referred to as political issues. Indeed, politics is the area in which the individual leader is called upon to guide the nation in accordance with its national character and its destiny. And a true leader can do this because he has revealed within himself the national character and destiny. In his letters on the issue of who is a Jew, the Rebbe emphasizes that the legal definition of the nation must correspond to the inner spiritual reality of the individual and that the character of the individual must reflect the national character and destiny. In the Rebbe's personal appeal to Mr. Ben-Gurion, as in many of these letters, we clearly see that the Rebbe's unwavering faith in the inner spark of goodness that exists in every Jew. 
The rabbi dedicated himself completely to the needs of the Jewish people and worked tirelessly for the nation as a whole and for countless individual Jews. In his letter to leaders in Eretz Israel, for example, the rabbi describes the problems are facing and explains how the Torah has provided solutions. While these letters can only hint at a tiny fraction of the Rebbe's activities, they clearly show his boundless concern for the Jewish people. One motive in these letters is the Rebbe's emphasis on the principle that a Jew should be proud of his Jewish identity and unwavering in his allegiance to Torah and mitzvot, not only in the face of ridicule, but even in the face of danger. In fact, as the Rebbe points out in several letters, it is precisely such conduct that has ensured and will continue to ensure the collective survival of the Jewish people. The following story hints at the seriousness with which the Rebbe reviewed the subject of Jewish identity. At the beginning of World War II when the Germans, Yamach Shemam, conquered France, the Rebbe and the Rebetzin were living in Paris. The new Nazi government issued an order that all residents would have to be registered according to their religion and race. Even then, in the early days of the war, the murderous anti-Semites of the Nazis was well known, and it was clear that anyone who registered as a Jew could be in very serious danger. When the government officials came to the Rebbe's door, the Rebbe was not home, and in response to their question about religion, because of the extreme danger, they were given an answer that was ambiguous, just the word orthodox. When the Rebbe returned home and heard what happened, he immediately traveled to the government offices, and there, to the astonishment of the clerk, he insisted on having the documents changed so that he and his wife could be registered clearly and unequivocally as Jewish. Without any doubts, a man wrote to the Rebbe that he was searching unsuccessfully for direction in life. He said he felt confused and split in many different directions, and he complained that he was unable to accomplish anything. At the beginning of his letter, he said, I am sure that receiving my letters must be a burden for you. Here's the Rebbe's answer. God forbid to think that your letters are a burden for me, but it is very painful for me to hear that, A, you are in a situation that causes you to suffer, and that there has been a temporary delay in God's blessing for seeing your path in life clearly without any doubts. <clears throat> Two, it is inappropriate to describe yourself as split. Since you were born a Jew, this is your essence, and it is impossible for anything to change it. Everything that happened later in your life is merely an addition, and it is insignificant. No place to fear. Every Jewish man and woman is a child of our Father in heaven. Bleedings, uh, um, blessings and greetings. Igros Kodesh. In response to your letter, there is a well-known teaching of the Baal Shem Tov that one is that is one of the foundations of our Holy Torah. Everything that happens in the world is the direct result of specific divine providence. God himself watches over every Jew, not only in a general way, but also with respect to the smallest details of his daily life. Hence, every Jew can say that God is with me and I will not be afraid. Even though we occasionally forget this, it is only due to the evil inclination who is trying to cause a separation between the Jewish people and God by means of foolish arguments, as our sages have explained. For the truth is that every Jewish man and woman is a child of our father in heaven and it is impossible to separate a father from his son or daughter hence there's no place for any fear whatsoever God forbid since God is your shadow and he is at your right hand God is protecting and watching over each and every one of us 
It is my hope that these few lines will be enough for you to be strong in your trust in God in your daily lives so that you can carry out your activities with confidence and joy. May God help you to have a normal, healthy pregnancy without any difficulties, and may you give birth to a healthy child at the proper time and in an easy way. This is what I bless all of the Jewish women with blessings. It would be proper to have the mezuzos in your home checked since it would seem that some of them need to be changed and your husband should also have his tefillin checked. Do help another Jew. There is a famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tov that we heard on a number of occasions from my revered father-in-law, the Rebbe, that it is worthwhile for a soul to descend into this world and to live within a physical body for 70 or 80 years just for the sake of helping another Jewish man or woman even once, either materially or spiritually. Now the soul is an actual part of godliness from above, and it is hewn from beneath the heavenly throne of glory. And yet we are told by the divine presence that it is worthwhile for the soul to come down from its place of glory to descend from the lofty heights to a lowly pit just in order to do a single favor. In your case, God has given you the privilege and success in doing something every day to bring Jews closer, hearts closer to our Father in heaven. And through this, you have a share in the and you have a share in the joy that God derives from His creations, and also in the joy that the Jewish people receive from their Creator. It is obvious that this work has to be with joy for meriting this, and then you will be successful also in your private matters. Your mind and heart will be. In the words of the Alter Rebbe, founder of Chabad, a thousand times more lucid, and you will ascend in the study of the revealed Torah and Hasidic teachings. Amen, Sela. Difficult situations reveal a deeper aspect of the soul. I have asked Mr. Bazboro Odcha, Igros Kodis, the recipient of this letter, was together with the Rebbe for a period of time in France at the beginning of World War II. I've asked Mr. Baz Borodka a number of times what is going on with you and your family, and I enjoyed hearing that you have settled here and everything is well with you and your family. Now I was happy to see your short letter, although you do not mention anything about yourself. Your letter brought back memories of the days when we were together in Vichy and nice, living under conditions to which neither of us was accustomed. Whenever an individual is uprooted from the environment in which he has lived for a long time, he has to adjust to new conditions and new demands. During that period of adjustment, certain aspects of his inner being become more apparent. For at such times, a person is revealed as he really is without the superficial disguises that are a part of social correctness. Very often, this reveals a good goodness that was hidden within this person, and it may be that he was not aware of it himself, since it was concealed under a layer of worldly manners. Such an individual will indeed be fortunate if he will not allow that goodness to disappear again, even after he attains rest. In such a spiritual condition, but too much to a much greater extent in quality and quantity, is a man who finds himself in a situation of self-sacrifice. For at such a time, hidden powers are revealed within his soul. These powers are derived from the deepest levels of his being, and hence they give him the ability to change the entire course of his life from one extreme to the other. There is a general rule that when a person acts in a particular manner, God will respond to him in the very same manner. That is why a person who acts with self-sacrifice, the opposite of human nature, will experience 
its miracles, the opposite of general nature. The same thing applies to the Jewish people as a whole, as we shall see from the story of Hanukkah, which took place a long time ago and at this time. In the original, by Yamim Hahem Uvesman Hazeh, Sitter, the literal meaning of this verse is that the events took place a long time ago and at this time of year. But the deeper meaning is that the same spiritual realities are present every year when we celebrate the holiday. The Jewish people were a small nation among other peoples, and yet they rose up to fight against the mighty Greek Empire. As a result, for this self-sacrifice, God delivered the mighty into the hands of the weak and the many into the hands of the few. Text of the Prayer Ahanisim with the Hanukkah blessing in regards to your whole family, an immediate teshuva will bring immediate redemption. Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, I have instructed that you should be sent in a special package a few of the books that we have published, which will certainly be of interest to you. The purpose for which God created the universe. In Igros Kodesh, response to what you wrote about your wife's health, you must explain to her the following. Every one of us requests, and at times we even demand, that God, who is the creator of all the worlds, should give us everything we need and everything we would like to have. We ask him to do this all unconditionally, without taking into account whether or not we are really worthy, or whether it is even appropriate for God himself to take an interest in our needs. For in his essence, God is so far above the world that there is no way in which his essence can can. Uh, represented or even suggested by one of the letters in his divine name or even by the smallest part of a letter in the original quotes a sharp protrusion that is part of the shape of a certain letter so yud for example has three quotes in one of which alludes to the sephira or keser um in the tatra gomation the shame havaya for example, the Yud represents God's attribute of wisdom. Kachman, one of the Chotzim on the Yud, represents God's attribute of will, Keser, which is even higher. But God's essence is so sublime that it cannot be represented in the letters or even suggested. Um, as the verse states in Yeshayahu, To whom then will we liken to me that I should be equal, saith the Holy One? And yet, despite all of this, we ask and we demand that God should fulfill our request, even for things that many people regard as unimportant. And in response, God answers our prayers and fulfills our requests because of his absolute kindness and not as a reward for anything we have done. At the very same time, God comes to us and makes a request to do something in order to bring his only child closer to him. For God views each and every Jewish person, son or daughter, as his only child, and as a result of various circumstances, that child is unaware of what he is expected to do in matters of Torah and mitzvahs. God tells us that this is the purpose for which he has created all the worlds, that a particular person, with the help of his wife, may she be well, should make him a dwelling place in the lower worlds, in the heart of a particular Jewish boy or girl, and for this purpose God leaves his place in the upper worlds and the lower worlds, etc., as explained in several chapters of the Tanya, see Tanya chapters. From all this it is obvious that not only should we fulfill his request to the fullest extent, but that we ought to be happy with the great joy at the privilege we have been granted that God directs his request to a particular husband and wife and that he has given them the ability to fulfill his request. And not only that, in exchange for fulfilling his request, God also promises them material and spiritual well-being 
both for them and for their children. If you think about all this, even for a short time, I don't see any reason for any complaint or any bitterness, and quite to the contrary, there is a genuine reason for tremendous, profound joy. Jewish education reveals that which is already present within the Jewish soul. This letter, an Igros Kodesh, addressed to a judge in Eretz Yisrael, begins by saying that all the Rebbes of Chabad devoted a large part of their time to the task of educating the next generation. It then goes on to explain that the social problems in Eretz Yisrael are complicated by the fact that many immigrant families were uprooted from communities in which they had lived in a traditional a lifestyle for many generations, and then when they arrived in Israel, they were suddenly immersed in a foreign culture. Nevertheless, the Rebbe concludes there is no reason to be discouraged about the future. Fortunately, there is a solution ready to solve the problem because every Jewish man or woman is a child of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. There already exists deeply rooted within his soul the love for God and the love for the Torah and many fine character traits in general as explained at length in the literature of Hasidus such as the fundamental work of Chabad Hasidus Sefer HaTanya see for example Tanya chapter 1 2 18 hence we can be confident that with the appropriate efforts our influence will be successful in guiding the younger generation to conduct their lives in accordance with the principles of goodness and honesty. And this awareness gives additional encouragement to everyone who is involved in this holy work. The Secret of Jewish Survival Blessings and Greetings um, This is a translation of the letter in Hebrew that appears in Mora Lador Novach. Uh, volume 2, page 44 to 46. Blessings and greetings. In your letter, you mention your academic background and some of the major events in your life, and you ask how to use your talents in order to find your proper place in life. In answer to this, and as an introduction, you have the merit to live in a land that is universally recognized as the Holy Land, and you are a daughter of a people that is defined by the Torah, which too is universally recognized as the Holy Book, as a holy people. This means that a Jew can only function properly when he lives a life that is in accordance with his true essence, and that is in an atmosphere of holiness as defined by the Torah. Only then can a Jew experience real satisfaction and achieve peace of mind, and he will succeed in coping with all the problems that might arise in life and find the appropriate solutions for them. Our sages offer the analogy of a fish in water, just as a fish can only function properly in the natural environment that fits him, which is water. This is also the case with a Jewish man or woman who can only function properly in their natural environment. To take the parallel a step further, there is certainly no need for a fish to understand the essential connection between his health and water and why it feels frustration, etc., when it is removed from its natural environment. Similarly, it is not necessary for a Jew to understand rationally how and why his health is so closely linked to his daily life and his daily behavior in accordance with the Torah and its mitzvot. It does not matter whether he likes it or not, and there is nothing he can do to change the unavoidable consequences of weakening this vital bond regardless of the cause of his weakness, of this weakness. Since you write that you are a student of bio, uh, 
philosophy with an academic background, there is no need at all to elaborate on what has been mentioned above. I would just add one point based on the general method by which scientific theories are verified. All of the sciences that are called exact are based on experimental evidence. In order to verify the results of the experiments, it is necessary to test them under a variety of different conditions. The more that the experiments grow in number and become more varied, the higher the degree of verification is for the phenomena under investigation. Now let us apply the scientific principle to the Jewish nation as a people. We know that the Jews have survived and developed for thousands of years under circumstances and conditions that have varied from one extreme to the other, as every page of Jewish history confirms, even though other nations under similar circumstances have disappeared from the face of the earth. When we try to verify the factor that has been responsible for the eternity of the Jewish people, as declared in the expression, Am Yisrael Chai, the Jewish people is alive, we discover that neither territory, not even language, nor dress, nor anything of that sort can be pointed to as a decisive factor, since all of these have been subject to changes at different times and in different places over the course of Jewish history. The only factor that has been constant and has never changed throughout Jewish history is a religious way of life, namely the fact that Jews have conducted their daily lives according to the laws of the Torah, such as the laws of the Sabbath, the dietary laws, and all the other mitzvahs. These laws have never changed since the Torah was given at Mount Sinai, and Jews have observed these laws with dedication and self-sacrifice throughout the generations in all times and in all places. This becomes even clearer in light of the following observation. During the course of history, there have been individuals or groups who deviated from the mainstream of Jewish life and tried to find new paths, but history has shown that these de descend descendants have descent dissidents ended up sooner or later doing one of two things. Either they returned to the traditional life of Torah and mitzvahs, or they were eventually lost to our people as a result of assimilation in the new environments that they chose for themselves. In light of all that has been stated above, you should first all of all conduct your life according to the Torah, which is the law of life. In the original Torah's Chaim, the law, the Torah is a law that not only shapes life, but also gives life. By connecting the created being with God, who is the source of all life, the Torah draws life into the world. See Hayom Yom 22nd of Shvat and Tanya chapter 50. As described in detail in the book of the laws of Jewish daily behavior, namely the Shulchan Aruch. In addition to the fact that such conduct is a must by itself, in response to God's will, it will also strengthen your inner peace of mind, and this, in turn, will provide you with the necessary objectivity to see clearly what your path in life should be, including the solution to the problems you mention in your letter. Some people, when they will notice that you have changed your way of life, might ask you, why did you suddenly decide to do things differently? In light of today's situation and our generation, they might even ask this question in a tone of mockery and in a very non-scientific way. However, this problem has already been anticipated by the Shulchan Aruch in the very first paragraph of the first chapter of the first volume. In other words, as an introduction to all the four volumes of the Shulchan Aruch, where the rule is set, do not be ashamed before those who ridicule. 
May God grant that you will have good news to report, especially now that we are about to celebrate the holiday of Hanukkah by lighting the candles of the menorah, whose number increases from day to day. The light of the menorah symbolizes the pure light that Torah mitzvahs bring to a world that would otherwise be dark, and it reminds us of all the things that Hanukkah represents in those days and at this time, as you undoubtedly know, with blessing. You are not alone. You write, Igros Kodis, that you are completely alone without anyone to turn to. There's a well-known saying of my revered father-in-law, the Rebbe, that one of the innovations of Hasidus is that all Jews are connected to one another. And wherever a man goes and wherever he finds himself, he is not lonely. There is also a well-known teaching in the name of the Baal Shem Tov that the commandment of love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, embraces even a Jew who lives on the other side of the world, someone whom he never met, etc. Not only that, but just as when a person looks at water, his own face is reflected back at him. Paraphrase of Mishle, so too the emotions one feels towards another person will automatically arouse the same emotions in the other person's heart, and they will be reflected back at him. And this causes the same feeling to be awakened in his heart. You surely participate in the Hasidic gatherings that take place in your area, and every once in a while you increase not only the amount of time that you dedicate to the study of the revealed aspects of the Torah, but also to the study of Hasidus, and may God grant you success in all of this. With my blessings, military success depends on spiritual strength, greetings and blessings. In every aspect of a person's life, it is necessary to focus on what is most important or according to the well-known expression, one must put quality ahead of quantity. This is also a fundamental principle in the army. To physical eyes, it might seem that an army's success depends on having sophisticated weapons and well-trained soldiers to operate them. But every military expert knows that the success of an army depends primarily on the spiritual strength of its soldiers and its commanding officers. In fact, an army's spiritual strength can even eliminate the need to use its weapons. As the verse states, fear and dread will fall upon them. Lukute Sichos, the letter was written during the days of Sefi Omer, 5739, and it seems that the recipient was an officer in the Israeli army. Uh, fear and dread will fall upon them, and as a result, the enemy will not even dare to attack. This is also the secret of the existence of our nation, although it is the smallest of all the nations, since it is the chosen people, the people of the book and the spirit, it is connected to its Jewish identity. There is no physical power in the world that can endanger its eternal existence. This is also the secret of the strength and power of the Israeli army, as stated clearly in the verse, Israel trusts in God and is promised. As the verse continues, he is their help and their protection. Halal Tehillim. Um, obviously, it is necessary to do everything that is required according to natural means, but ultimately it is the strength of our trust in God and in the uniqueness of our people, God's people, that gives us the power to be victorious. And this, as we mentioned earlier, will have such an effect on our enemies that fear and dread will fall upon them, and when you, God, reveal the greatness of your power, they will be silent like a stone. Shemos. No man will lift his hand or his foot. See Beratius and uh, Targum Unculus, which explains this to mean that no one will have access to weapons or transportation without your permission. 
for a fear of the Jewish people will have fallen upon them. Paraphrase of Esther. And all this will happen because the Jewish people are connected to their Jewish faith. I have been informed that you are helping the Lubavitch Youth Organization in their campaign to raise the morale of the soldiers in the Israeli army and to bring them closer to Torah and mitzvot. I trust that in this matter, as in all good things, you will continue your efforts and you will steadily increase them. May God give strength to his people and may he bless his people with peace, with blessings for success in all the above. Amen, amen. Chabad activities in the Israeli army. 25th of Menachem of 5730 to General Rehavam Ze'evi, commanding officer in the Central Command. Bleeding, greetings and blessings. I was deeply distressed to receive a report that in several platoons and companies of the Israeli army there have been some problems in conveying our greetings and blessings to the Jewish soldiers defending the people of Israel and Eretz Yisrael with self-sacrifice. However, I still have no clear information about the reason for this problem. Since I do not know the reason clearly, I am unable to respond. I will just write my following lines in a general way with an introduction that may seem strange in your eyes, but since it expresses the feelings of my heart, I hope you will not hold it against me that it will take a few minutes of your time to read this introduction as well. I believe with perfect faith based on what I have seen on a number of occasions in the course of my life and maybe even more importantly on what I have heard from a number of reliable individuals and above all based on the clear and unequivocal statements about this in our Torah which is a law of life instruction in life that a sincere and heartfelt blessing given by one person to another is powerful and effective sometimes the blessing may be fulfilled completely and sometimes only partially and sometimes immediately and sometimes after a long time. This is an additional to the psychological effect of such a blessing, which creates a feeling of closeness and offers encouragement, etc. I also believe with perfect faith that the mitzvah of tefillin brings special benefits, especially for military personnel. Obviously, this does not obligate anyone to share my strong belief in this matter, but since, on the face of it, there is no reason to suspect that I am motivated by any type of self-interest, at the very least, you should ask yourself whether it may, maybe, might be meaningful and of benefit. In addition, and this is also of essential importance, since the psychological impression and the boost of morale are obvious to everyone, it is perfectly obvious that it, this matter is very likely to bring benefit and is far from causing any loss, God forbid. The intention of my letter is only to request again that you will not only do everything that depends upon you so that my emissaries should be allowed to speak to the soldiers under your command and to tell them about the blessings that are being sent to them by so many of our fellow Jews on behalf of whom I speak as being responsible for sending them and to tell these soldiers that we are aware of their efforts and that even the Jews in distant countries are thinking about them and about their conditions and their self-sacrifice, etc., and also to speak of them and tell them about the firm belief of so many Jews regarding the benefit of performing the mitzvah of tefillin, and that we are also willing to help the soldiers in this matter by providing them with a pair of tefillin, etc. But in addition, you have to do your part to ensure the success of these activities, despite the possible reasons I mentioned earlier, and despite the many demands on your time, etc., 
May God grant you that you will have good news to report about all this. And may God, who watches over every individual with specific divine providence, give you success in fulfilling your task, which is to defend the holy nation in the holy land. May your success be so complete in every respect that we will soon see with our own eyes the fulfillment of the promise, I will give peace to your land, and the sword will not travel through your land. Um, and I will break the bars of your yoke, and I will cause you to walk with an upright structure, stature, with respect and blessing. The power of the Spirit. Part of a talk that the Rebbe gave in Hebrew in the summer of 5736 to a group of Israeli soldiers who became disabled at war or during training. The source of this translation is a transcript made from a tape recording of the talk. This brings us to another point. Every Jewish man and woman has the ability to elevate themselves beyond the limitations of space and time. And this ability reminds us of the truth that the Jewish people is eternal. For the Jewish people is one single people that exists throughout all the generations, starting from the time when all the souls of Israel stood at Mount Sinai and extended to the end of all generations. This also explains the strength of the eternal Jewish people, even though it is the smallest among the nations. For the Jewish people is small only at a particular place in a particular time. But the truth is that all the Jews of all the generations from the event at Mount Sinai until the end of all generations are responsible for one another. They become one single entity and one single nation, which also in terms of quantity is great and powerful in comparison with the other nations. This brings us to another conclusion. The reason for the ability to transcend the limits of space and time is because it is part of the qualities of the Jewish people to make spiritual matters rule the physical matters and to make quality govern quantity. Thus, despite the fact that they are one people, the smallest of all the nations, nevertheless, they adamantly refuse to assimilate, even though this in certain times required literal self-sacrifice. This is also the reason why Jews have refused to conform and assimilate among the nations, even during times of prosperity, when the non-Jews invited them and pressured them to eliminate the barriers separating Jew from Gentile by living their lives just like all the other citizens of the country. The Jews tenaciously adhered to the principle that they were members of a special unique nation, despite the fact that in terms of quantity, they were a minority. But in terms of quality, they made quality overcome quantity until they illuminated the quantity, refined it, and elevated it to the level of quality. Included in this is a special point. If for whatever reason a Jew is lacking in terms of quantity, this is no reason and explanation at all for him, heaven forbid, to feel downcast. On the contrary, since he is missing in quantity in physical matters, not due to any fault of his own, but rather because he did something good to the extent of self-sacrifice by defending the Jewish people in a particular place or defending a particular piece of land, and especially in the Holy Land, this is proof that God, who is the creator of man, has endowed him, endowed him with him, mm, has endowed him or her with special strengths and extraordinary spiritual powers. It means that it is within his or her capability to overcome a condition that to human eyes might appear as a deficiency in the physical and the corporeal sense. On the contrary, he should show that he is not merely the equal of the people around him, but that he also possesses a degree of spiritual superiority. He is able to overcome his physical deficiency that is noticeable to the physical eyes and prove that he is 
able to attain a position and ascend in important matters, high-quality matters, with achievements above those of an ordinary person and of a person in the regular way. For this reason, I am uncomfortable with the terms disabled or crippled, which suggest an inferiority or decline. On the contrary, it has been emphasized in this matter that such an individual is extraordinary and has been singled out by the creator of man who has endowed him with special powers, powers that are not given to the ordinary person, and that is the reason why he is able to overcome difficulties and impediments that an ordinary person would not be able to cope with. I would therefore suggest, in line with the Jewish practice of making suggestions, even in areas that are not one's own, to change the name so that they are called the distinguished of Israel, either if they have been distinguished by war or any other reason. This will also remind us about the saying of our sages of blessed memory, when our, <coughs> when our people, the people of Israel, was in its first exile in the land of Egypt, the Torah writes that they became a great in, in Devarim, that they became a great nation there, powerful and numerous. And our sages explained that the people of Israel was distinguished in Egypt. This is not merely a change of name, but also a clarification of the situation as it truly is. The name itself emphasizes that they possess something special and outstanding, and this is the reason why they now have to merit have the merit to offer the world a living example of self-confidence that every Jewish man or woman, no matter his or her material or physical condition, has a soul that is an actual part of divinity. Tanya, chapter 2. To use the words of Rabbi Shkner Zalman, the founder of Chabad Hasidus, and that part of divinity, which is present in every Jewish man and woman, will ultimately triumph over the body until the body will behave and live in accordance with the divine soul that exists in the body and resides within it and rules over it and controls it. This will also lead to the emphasis of a fundamental principle in the Torah about the people of Israel in general and Hasidic teachings in particular. It says in the book of Tehillim that you should serve God with joy and a person's entire life is meant to be one extended act of service to God who is our creator and guide. Since a person finds himself in such a situation all his lifetime, this is clear proof that it is possible for a person to be joyful and that God has given him the power to be joyful throughout his entire life. Hence, when a person encounters problems in life or some unpleasantness or even something much more difficult, it awakens the hidden powers within him, and these powers are revealed and put into action. He will also demonstrate to others that he is in a happy mood and fulfills his function in the world, which is to bring additional light and spirituality and holiness into the world so that ultimately the eyes of all flesh will see that God is the king over all the, over the entire world and this will come about because God is the God of Israel and the Jewish people are his messengers to bring his commandments and the way of life that is in accordance with his will to all the inhabitants of the world and, and this must be done as said before with joy the essence cannot be changed greetings and blessings in response to the letter in which you describe your world outlook and you ask about the future of a particular political movement, etc., there is certainly no need to explain that every Jewish man and woman, without exception, is a part of our nation, the eternal nation that the Torah describes as one nation in the world, or in a different way as a people who dwells alone. Bamidbar, for every member of our nation received the same unique Torah from the one God, and just as the Torah and God are eternal, so too the recipient of the Torah is eternal. 
All of the nations of the world sense this, although not all of them would be willing to admit it. It seems clear that this is the real reason for the hatred of our people, a hatred that is found in all their movements, from the extreme right to the extreme left, even though, according to logic, they should have made a bridge between all of the nations and nullified their eternal hatred for the eternal nation, the nation of Israel. The immediate conclusion of all this is the following, even though it would seem that every Jew has the freedom to choose his worldview and lifestyle in general and the way he conducts his daily life in particular. Nevertheless, he will only find true peace of mind when following the way that was paved for our eternal nation by means of our eternal Torah. To put it in even simpler terms, every Jew should conduct his daily life in accordance with the instructions of our Torah, which is a law of life and he shall fulfill the commandments about which the Torah says he shall live because of them for it is impossible for something to change its essence even though it can temporarily be covered over or even concealed by garments that are opposed to his essential nature and to the central point of his existence from this we can understand that every Jew has an obligation to use all of his abilities to strengthen this way of life the way of Torah and mitzvot and to spread it in his home and his environment and wherever he has an influence it makes no difference at all whether he is whether he is officially enlisted in a particular political party or whether he says that he belongs to a circle that recognizes the value of Torah and mitzvot and so forth. Based on the above, the answer to your question is not that it is our task to speculate about the future of this or that political movement, since the task, the essential task of every Jewish man and woman is to strengthen and consolidate the position of our nation, which is surrounded by foes and enemies on every side. It is also the task of every Jew to strengthen his own position in life in every matter that depends upon him, and this is accomplished by strengthening the foundations of Judaism and its eternal values and by spreading them in a cons constantly increasing manner. And we have been promised that a person who comes to purify himself or others will be helped from above. Yoma. I shall be pleased to hear good news about all the above with blessing. Faith, the basis of Jewish survival. I, Mora Edor Navach, original letter was in English. Uh, received your letter in which you write about the topic of faith, or to be more precise, about your lack of faith. You are right, of course, that it is a topic which is difficult to discuss in a letter in all the necessary detail. On the other hand, it is a topic that is too important to treat lightly, and painful to say that it is often the way it is dealt with, despite the fact that it is has a direct bearing on the very survival of our people. Or to put it more bluntly, it is deeply connected to the fundamental question of who will be victorious, Hitler and his successors, God forbid, or the Jewish people. It is... <coughs> it is certainly unnecessary to point out to you that Hitler's goal, may his name be blotted out, I mean, Sela, is referred to the final solution. In their efforts to reach that goal, our enemies have two methods that are contradictory to one another, but bring about the same result. One method is to annihilate our people physically, God forbid, in the fastest way that modern technology would allow. And the second method is to keep the Jewish people afar from Judaism. If that were accomplished, the Jews, being a tiny minority among the nations of the world, would quickly lose their identity and disappear.
disappear completely as a result of assimilation. From a certain perspective, the second method is actually even more dangerous since the first method immediately arouses opposition from the Jews and to a certain extent from the righteous Gentiles, the most enlightened of the non-Jews since everyone can recognize the horrors of the Holocaust and genocide. <coughs> In contrast, the second approach seems far more painless, and the disaster that it leads to can be dealt with in a gentle way. In fact, when our enemies take a second approach, they often veil it with the attitude of compassion or and or justify it with a um, philosophical argument such as, why should a Jew remain isolated or unconnected to the society in which he lives? Or why should a Jew be deprive himself of all the pleasures of life because of ancient prohibitions that he does not even understand? And until God himself will come to explain every law in the Shulchan Aruch, why observe the Sabbath, eat only kosher food, put on tefillin, and so on. Such a life may have been appropriate for simple people who clung to ancient beliefs, but not for the enlightened, intelligent people of the 20th century. What can you tell a Jew who takes such a position? You can tell him the following. You were not created yesterday, but you are the continuation of a long succession of countless generations of Jews, and among them there were many tens of thousands of intelligent people who were at least as intelligent as you, and they not only observed all the laws in the Shulchan Aruch at all times, but they even chose to actually give up their lives rather than to compromise on matters of their faith. In contrast, those who were ready to compromise beginning with the ancient worshippers of the golden calf and up to the ideologies of conservative and reformed Judaism, which have appeared in very recent times, who claim that it is sufficient for a Jew to be at heart and apart from that, to be a Jew at heart. And apart from that, there is no difference whatsoever between Jews and Arabs or Nazis, etc., or at least there's no difference whatsoever between Jews and the liberal Gentile Western society. One does not have to look very far to see what has happened to their variety of Judaism. It is obvious that their grandchildren and descendants did not remain Jews at heart. They simply followed this policy up to its logical conclusion. No one lives in an... <coughs> Excuse me. No one lives in an ivory tower and no one can claim that the way he lives is purely his own personal business. When the foundations of Jewish identity are destroyed by a single Jew or by a single Jewish family, it is bound to have an effect on the surrounding. Some people will follow their example and make further progress. The resulting chain reaction will inevitably lead to the acceleration of the final solution. God forbid. In conclusion, permit me to say that the Judaism that is defined by the Torah and its commandments is not something that a Jew can change or throw away like a garment. If it is impossible for a person to change the color of his eyes or the chromosomes that he inherits from his predecessors, um, even though he might delude himself into thinking that he can, how much more so is it impossible for a Jew to alter his essential identity as a Jew, which is an inheritance from countless generations starting from the time when the Jewish people became a holy nation when receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. It is inseparably bound up with his godly soul, and that soul is a part of godliness from above. May God grant that these lines, which are too few and too brief for the subject under consideration, will suffice to help you to reformulate your position in the right direction. May you have good news to report about all of the above good that is truly good with blessings.
the disastrous consequences of intermarriage, blessing, and greeting. The letter was printed in Kafar Chabad magazine, issue 1210, and what appears here is a translation from a Hebrew version of the original letter. Uh, I received your letter in which you bring up the subject of mixed marriages. May God protect us, even though a great deal has already been said, written and published about the terrible disaster of mixed marriages between a Jew and a non-Jew, and most of it is very clear and obvious. Nevertheless, due to the seriousness of the matter, I will, in short, review the few, a few of the most basic points. I don't have to tell you that any matter involving a Jew needs to be examined first, and all from the perspective of the Torah, since our Torah, which is a law of life, is a guide for the Jew in his life and also the source of his life, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Nevertheless, since I don't know to what extent the person in question will understand the importance of the Torah's perspective, and since I have the impression that it would be more useful to speak in terms of general human terms rather than religious ones, I will take that approach. Statistics have proven in sufficient measure that intermarriage is one of the biggest catastrophes among people, not only for the Jewish spouse, but also for the second side involved. Since the two individuals come from such different backgrounds, a mixed marriage can lead to constant quarreling and heartache, and the tragedy is even greater if there are children to grow up in the future in a household that is torn apart by such frictions. Moreover, the statistics show only the tip of the iceberg since many tragic cases go unreported and nor do they attract the attention of the public since the sides involved are very much ashamed to admit that they made such a major mistake this is especially true in cases when they were warned about the consequences and they preferred to ignore the warnings the statistics are not that surprising in fact it would be very surprising if the results were otherwise when contemplating the fact that the two people come from origins and backgrounds that are not only different as mentioned above but also from antagonistic background generations upon generations of persecution from one side and victims from the other side one of the most common arguments for defending the justice and the freedom concerning mixed marriages is that since both sides are adults and they are prepared to accept the consequences etc no one has a right to interfere and hinder them one single simple example is enough to show the error of this claim consider a case in which a person is standing on the bridge and wants to jump off in order to end his life he claims that he knows what he wants to do and that no one has a right to interfere etc it is obvious that in any civilized society everyone in the vicinity would be obligated to try to stop that individual from carrying out his intentions if necessary the police department and the fire department would be summoned to prevent the possible suicide and use every possible means to save him from hurting himself Six, if the two people involved have true feelings, not to mention a sense of simple fairness and honesty, then neither of them would want to get the other person involved in such a predicament, even if the risk were very slight. In fact, however, as already pointed out, the court concerns are very realistic and it is practically unavoidable that the mixed marriages have to end in disaster, both in the material and spiritual sense. Even if there are a few couples like these who appear to be happy and satisfied, etc., it is very likely that this is no more than an external impression they wish to convey because they do not want <coughs> their inner discomfiture to be known to the public. Much more could be said about this, all this, but I trust that this will 
definitely be sufficient. I would just like to add that from a religious point of view, in terms of Jewish obligations and Jewish identity, intermarriage is one of the most serious sins affecting the whole life. Moreover, although everything we have said is relevant to all the generations, it is even more true and more important in our own time, since the Holocaust has left us with a special legacy. It places an obligation upon all the Jews who survive to ensure that such a thing will never happen again. There are two methods by which our enemies attempt to destroy the Jewish people. One is by physical annihilation, which is what the Nazis, may their names be obliterated, Amin Sela, tried to do. The other method, which is more sophisticated but no less cat catastrophic, is through assimilation, and especially through mixed marriages. May God protect us. If so, a Jewish man who marries a non-Jewish woman, in, in addition to the destruction he brings upon himself and his partner, he also brings a destruction upon the descendants because the, Jewish, Jew, because the children who are born to a non-Jewish mother are not Jewish. With blessings from a private audience adopted from the account that first appeared in 1951 in Orthodox Jewish Life under the heading Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, having just accepted the position as leader of the Lubavitch movement, talked of his concerns and his approach to strengthening Judaism in the United States. By the a Jewish American journalist Dr. Gershon uh, Gransler. It was shortly after the leaders of the World Kabad movement had elected Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson to succeed his late father-in-law, Rabbi Yosef I. Schneerson, as the head of the famous Hasidic school associated with the name of Lubavitch on the 10th of Shvat of this year, 1951. I was standing in the hallway of the Rebbe's residence in Brooklyn. The Meyer service had just concluded and the Yeshiva Bacharim were streaming out of the base Hamedrash into the cold winter evening. Released from the strenuous routine of many hours of concentrated study, the young scholars, most of them with beard and payas, were chatting freely and loudly while they put on their coats to leave the building. Suddenly, the loud talk ceased and a look of awed respect appeared on the lively faces as the new Rebbe walked through the hall towards the door. <clears throat> um, di differentially, they pressed forward on both sides of the narrow doorway. One young man, flustered, moved from one side of the way to the other to make more room and stumbled into the path of the Rebbe. Before he had a chance to recover his balance, the Rebbe had taken him by the shoulder and had gently helped him to the side, a smile lighting up his serious face. Instantly, the embarrassment of the young scholar was gone. The Rebbe's smile reflected in his happy eyes the entire and the entire atmosphere was suddenly changed. The all was gone, and a warm current of friendly understanding seemed to flow through the young scholars pressed closely into the hallway, brightening the frosty dark of the evening. This experience of a few fleeting moments, the mute exchange of a smile and glance, answered many a question that had risen in my mind since the passing of the late Lubavitcher Rebbe a year before and the election of his successor. I had the privilege of knowing Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson before he assumed his new office, and I had come to appreciate the young scholar with the serious face and unassuming, almost shy manners. He then directed the educational aspects of the Merkos Le Inyone Kinuch, but now everything was different. This was no longer the Ramash, the son-in-law of the Rebbe, respected as a scholar, a friendly advisor, and interpreter of the thoughts of Chabad Hasidism. 
His new burden of office, with its responsibility for the thousands of followers of Chabad the world over and its exacting demands for attention to the hundreds of visitors seeking aid, advice, and inspiration from the Lubavitcher Rebbe day in, day out, would seem to have removed Rabbi Menachem Mendelschneerson from any close personal relation. But the little incident in the hallway taught me better, and I began to appreciate the importance with a Hasidic leader of this type can assume for the future of the Jewish people, even in these days of the 20th century culture. <clears throat> when the opportunity arose to visit the Rebbe and to transmit his views and perspective on the task ahead, I remembered something Rabbi Schneerson had once said when he addressed a gathering of young workers for the furtherance of Jewish education. It is not that we can't, we with our weaknesses and capabilities, it is our will to do a job that we realize is important. Success is not in our hands, it is in God's, but we have to do but we have to will to do what he demands of us and in that will all our weaknesses and insufficiencies wane and become insignificant i could not have searched for a better motto to characterize the message of courage and encouragement which i took with me when i had the privilege to spend some time with the new lubavitcher rebbe and to question him on his views concerning the contemporary Jew jewish scene the familiar pale face with its deeply searching eyes and frame of black beard seemed to have taken on added seriousness. The sense of warm understanding and deep responsibility for every word spoken, which had always characterized Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, was now still more marked. Still in his 40s, he seemed to... To personify the centuries of Jewish scholarship and Hasidic self-search as he voiced his reflections upon the problems of the day. Is dispersion a catastrophe? It is a mistake, said Rabbi Schneerson, if we conceive the worldwide dispersion of the Jewish people in Gaulus exile as a catastrophe. As a matter of fact, this very lack of concentration of the remnants of our nation was the source of our salvation throughout the centuries of persecution and pogroms. Hitler was the greatest threat to our national survivor because the largest concentration of the masses of Eastern and Central European Jewry had come into his evil grasp. On the other hand, however, concentration of large groups of our people in one country has been the means of creating the spiritual centers from which the rest of the Jewish colonies could draw their inspiration, leadership, and material replenishment. Our history in exile is an unbroken chain of the emergence and disappearance of such centers in country after country and from one corner of the earth to the next. As a Jewish sun set in one land, it had already begun to rise in another. Now the great centers of Jewish Eastern Europe have been destroyed by fascism and communism. America has become the focus and fountainhead of Jewish survival. Providence has prepared a new home for Torah and Yiddishkeit in this country while the flames devoured the bastions of the strongest and most impregnable Jewish fortresses on the other side of the ocean. With earnest emphasis, the new Chabad leader continued, American Jewry must recognize the sacred historical mission which divine providence has entrusted to it at this critical movement of our struggle for survival. The largest concentration of our best elements are in America. We must lead the smaller Jewish communities in other countries and continents, even in Eretz Israel, which must lean heavily on America's American support for its economic and spiritual survival. The very shape which Jewry and Judaism of tomorrow will present depends on the active leadership of each and every Jew in this country. Realization of this 
historical mission, Rabbi Schneerson said, demands a complete about-face and re-evaluation of our spiritual position. America's great genius has been in the development of the individual, of the pioneering and self-made man type. Although this helped in developing our potentialities by demanding every last ounce of ingenuity and perseverance. It has, on the other hand, focused too much attention on egoistic aims and interests. Personal goals have dominated only in our spare and leisure time after we have carved our groove in terms of economic and social success. Have we dedicated some time and effort to philanthropic um, and communal affairs? We have been social workers on an amateur after-working-hours basis. This pattern of life has been no less characteristic of American Jews than of other Americans. But it is at this point that there must be a change of basic outlook and concomitant redirection and reorganization of our existence as a community and as individuals. Primarily, we must live the life of social beings with the responsibility and dedication of our best efforts for the Klal, the community. Only then can we afford to invest our own individual aims and goals. This, Rabbi Schneerson stressed, was his main message to American Jews. The only way American Jewry can live up to its historic task is by self-sacrificing, self-effacing, mysterious nefesh for the Jewish clown. The thing we have to fear most at this moment is the defeatism and the defection that has gripped some of our best elements in this country in the face of the growing effects of so-called interfaith movements, of the watering down of the very content of our religion to a point where our children will no longer know whether they are Jewish or not. Charity begins at home. We cannot talk of assuming responsibility for the rest of the Jewish world, of building new centers for towering Yiddishkeit elsewhere, even in Eretz Yisrael, when right here in our midst, our brothers and sisters are being engulfed. More than that, we have no right to teach and lead others if at home we neglect the very thing we want to make others do. But, warned the Rebbe with a smile, I don't want you to convey the impression that I am merely giving Musser moral exhortations. It has never been the way of Lubavitch to give Musser only. Musser serves us only as a means towards actions. Whatever we say or preach must be geared to some active goal. We ourselves can point to amazing results that draw an ever-widening circles of the non-religious as well as religious elements of our people. In response to the look of surprise in my eyes, the Rebbe continued, Yes, I mean non-religious circles. You see, it has always been the belief of Chabad that there is not a single Jew, as far as he may seem or thought himself to have drifted from the center of Yiddishkeit, who does not have some good point, some particular mitzvah, which by nature or by inclination he may promote. The spark of good in each soul can and must be utilized for the good of the Jewish community and, in turn, for the good of the person who does it. For this reason, the late Lubavitcher Rebbe called not only on Orthodox Jews for cooperation in this work after he settled in this country ten years ago, but he drew on all types of Jews who had the power and will to contribute some aspect, some particular skill or capacity towards the offense offensive for Jewish education and Torah life. Rabbi Schneerson paused. For some minutes, he remained sunk in reflection, then said, let's realize this. The Jewish people has been so heavily decimated in the past decade or two that each of us must be made to count and to count doubly. And it is for this reason that this call to take the offensive 
for Torah Judaism is not only directed at the observant. The accomplishment counts for what it achieves object objectively and what it does to the one involved. In this respect, too, a mitzvah is its own reward. Many of those who may think that they are lost as apikorsim are not really and in and need only some stimulation, some bridge to find the way back. There was, for example, the man who visited the late Lubavitcher Rebbe to ask for his counsel concerning some business matter. After he had answered the question, <coughs> the Rebbe suggested that he put on tefillin. The visitor protested, What is the sense of talking to me about tefillin if I do not believe in anything at all? I am an apicorus. Not so easily does one become an apicorus, replied the Rebbe. One has to know a great deal of questions and problems and know the answers and then refuse to accept them to deserve this title. You first put on to fill in and you will discover that you needed only such a bridge to find yourself. As I took leave, overwhelmed by the spiritual experience of the short hour I had been privileged to spend with the new Lubavitch Rebbe, he stressed again in an earlier warning, the only purpose of our talk can be to speak about the work which the late Lubavitcher Rebbe has started in this country and into which he has been able to draw so many varied groups of Jewish people. This work must and will go on with the help of God. We must all contribute to this historic mission. This is what I want you to convey to your readers. And if it helps to make them realize what our task is, and put their shoulder to the wheel, then our time was well spent indeed. This is the new Lubavitcher Rebbe, the high office, the admiration of the people, the burden of directing innumerable activities of worldwide organizations had not marred his modesty. Publicity, publicity is generally sought by leaders of such stature, but the new Rebbe is not that kind of leader. As he once told a gathering of his co-workers, we ourselves don't count. It is our task, our sacred mission that matters. And if we but want to carry it on, our goal will not remain unachieved. Amen. Selah. Who was a Jew? In 1958, Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion, on orders from a Knesset committee, sent inquiries to 50 Jewish scholars around the world concerning the who is a Jew issue. How should Israel register the religion of questionable cases, such as the child of a Jewish father and a Gentile mother who was being raised Jewish? Here is the Rebbe's answer, 8th of Adar um, 1, 57.19, to Mr. David Ben-Gurion, Prime Minister, greetings and blessings. Igros Kodesh. In this this is in reply to your letter regarding my opinion on the registration of children of mixed marriages when the father is a Jew and the mother a non-Jew who did not undergo conversion before the birth of the child. The intent of the inquiry is, as the wording of the resolution it has it in the above-mentioned letter, to define instructions that should be in harmony with the tradition accepted in all circles of Judaism, both Orthodox and non-Orthodox, of all trends and with the special conditions of Israel as a sovereign state which guarantees freedom of conscience and religion as a center of ingathering the exiles. My opinion is absolutely clear. 
in conformity with the Torah and the tradition accepted for generations, that in these matters there can be no validity whatsoever to a verbal declaration expressing the desire to register as a Jew. Such a declaration has no power to change the reality. According to the Torah and the tradition of ages which still exist today, a Jew is only a person born to a Jewish mother or a proselyte who had been converted in conformity with the exact procedure laid down in the authoritative codes of Judaism from the ancient times down to the Shulchan Aruch. The above applies not only to children whose parents or guardians declare their desire to register them as Jews, but to whosoever comes forward to declare his wish to change his status in order to enter the Jewish community. Such a declaration has no force whatever unless he actually fulfills or has fulfilled the appropriate conversion procedure as laid down in the Jewish codes of the Shulchan Aruch as above. With honor and blessing, I do not cite sources since there are clear and detailed rulings on the matter in the codes of Maimonides, the Torah, Shulchan Aruch, etc. Comment, all that follows now is merely an additional postscript written with the intention of emphasizing that even if the following is not accepted, either in part or in full, <clears throat> this does not distract at all from the finality of the opinion I have outlined above. The following remarks are merely a reaction to the count of the situation delineated in your letter. The question of registration, or however it may be described, is not a matter confined to Israel alone. It goes without saying, as explained in your letter, that no one may raise a barrier between the Jews of Israel and those of the diaspora. On the contrary, all of our brethren, wherever they may be, have constituted one people from the moment of their emergence in spite of their dispersion in all the corners of the world. Consequently, the solution of the problem must be one that is acceptable to all members of the Jewish people everywhere that is capable of forging and strengthening the bonds between unity of all Jews and certainly not one that would be cause even the remotest to disunity and dissension. B. Accordingly, even if you may argue that the present conditions in Eretz Yisrael call for a special study of the above-mentioned question, those conditions do not restrict to the problem of Eretz Yisrael, but as noted, constitute a matter of common concern to every Jew everywhere. <clears throat> C. The belonging to the Jewish people was never considered by our people as a formal, external matter. It has always been defined and relineated. Um, in terms of the commitment of the whole being of the Jew, something intimately linked with his very essence and innermost experience. Accordingly, any movement which disregards or belittles any of the procedures in this connection degrades the feeling of belonging to the Jewish people and cannot but be detrimental to the serious and profound attitude towards the Jew's inner link with his people. To ease the conditions of transition and affiliation to the Jewish people, particularly in the special circumstances of Eretz Israel, surrounded by countries and peoples unsympathetic towards it, that it is an understatement is to endanger considerably the security of Eretz Israel. E. What emerges from the above points is that even if an attempt is made to avoid the proper solution to the problem by a compromise such as substituting the word Jew, um, a word of complete secular connotations, this will not constitute a way out, since the damage would remain both with respect to strengthening to strengthen the bonds of unity with Jews everywhere, as well as from the point of view of inner strength and security. 
F. Of course, no argument can be abducted from the cases of people who have been converted in the proper manner and have nevertheless caused harm to the Jewish people. On the other hand, there is a possibility that one who merely makes a verbal declaration of his Jewishness may benefit the Jewish people. The demand for a dual conversation procedure is likewise not negated by the fact that there are non-Jewish saints who, as the description implies, are for all that still non-Jews. G. In the frame of reference in which the question was put, the matter discrimination was mentioned. Discrimination can, however, only apply to granting or withholding of rights or meting out punishments. It can have no relevance to the question of registration, which has to do with existing reality. Let me conclude with the hope and expectation that Eretz Yisrael in all its aspects, both present and future, should constitute a factor uniting Jew everywhere, both Orthodox and non-Orthodox, of all trends, by attuning itself in all of its affairs more and more to the name by which it is known among all the peoples of the world, the Holy Land. Yours truly. Follow-up letter to Ben Gurion with God's help. Ninth of Adar. I want to see how much longer this is. Um, let me see. Where's the second? Hmm. I think that I don't know where. Um, where I think this might be like another hundred pages or something. Chapter two, let me see. Oh no, it's not another hundred pages. Okay, let me see. Chapter three, chapter three. Okay, no, I went too far. Oh, not so much. Oh, 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 I see. We don't have so many more pages. Okay, we will finish this. Okay. Okay, here we go. Follow-up letter to Ben-Gurion, with God's help. Ninth of Adar 1, 5719, to Mr. David Ben-Gurion, Prime Minister. Greetings and blessings. Igris Kodesh, yesterday I sent you my official reply to the question of registration, and I have to apologize for the delay in my reply till now for a number of reasons. What is written further is not official and not even semi-official. It was once fashionable in certain circles to suggest that the Jewish religion and religious observances were necessary for those living in the diaspora as a shield against assimilation. But for those who can find another antidote in the place of religion, particularly for those living in Eretz Yisrael, within their own society, where the atmosphere, language, etc., apparently serve as an ample assurances of national preservation. The Jewish religion was superfluous. What need had they to burden themselves with all its minute um, details to their daily life? But the trend of developments in Eretz Yisrael in the last seven or eight years has increasingly emphasized the opposite view, that however vital the need for religion amongst diaspora Jewry, it is needed even more for the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. One of the basic reasons is that for this is that it is precisely in Eretz Yisrael that there exists the danger that a new generation will grow up, a new type bearing the name of Israel, but completely divorced from the past of our people and its eternal and essential values, and moreover hostile to it in its world 
outlook, its culture, and the content of its daily life, hostile in spite of the fact that it will speak Hebrew, dwell in the land of the patriarchs, and wax enthusiastic over the Bible. I do not wish to dwell on this painful subject at all for obvious reasons, especially since I see no, for, no need for further elaboration. One of the reasons that I fervently hope that this calamity will not come to pass, eventually members of that generation itself will vehemently rise up against that danger and will take measures to ward off the evil. Indeed, it is just recently that an intense ferment has been felt in Eretz Yisrael and abroad, demanding a spiritual content to life. Uh, if a deeper probe is made, it becomes evident that the yearning for is for something transcending the reason of man. The thirst of the youth of our eternal people will certainly not be quenched by rationalizations and theories that are the product of contemporary mortals, which will share the fate of those ideologies which made their debut only yesterday and which are no more today. Here is a place for the law of Moshe and Israel. The oral and the written law are independent values dating from the day the Jewish people stood before God, our God, at Horeb, and the great voice was heard, which did not stop. I am God, your God, you shall have no other gods. Needless to say, I do not speak here of a theoretical religiosity which serves only as a purely philosophical world outlook or as the subject of lectures at weekends and holidays i speak of a pervading and practical way of life which includes the weekday too and all such matters which are usually termed secular our faith is after all essentially one of practical deeds now is the ideal opportunity to transform the whole canvas of life in Eretz Israel and direct it into the above-mentioned channels. This opportunity is knocking at your door, for you have been granted the ability and privilege to use it to the best advantage, a privilege and opportunity which are not given to every man and the likes of which have not been presented themselves for many decades. It is more likely... It is more than likely that the aforementioned lines will astonish you. Do I really imagine that by means of this letter I can change or influence an outlook many decades old, and in particular the outlook of a man who has seen the fruit of his labors? But since, in my opinion, the situation in Eretz Israel is as described above, the situation in itself, the essential truth of the idea, the unique and most wonderful opportunity granted you, it is they which speak, appeal, and demand. I am sure that even without my letter, you have often reflected on this, but I could not allow myself to pass over this in silence at a time when I am engaged in writing on the subject of registration, which is part and parcel of the general background outlined above. I felt it in my duty to refer to this, at least in a private letter to you. At this opportunity, I'm begging apology for the delay. I thank you for sending me your booklet. Let me base my next few words on what you wrote in the booklet when referring to Eretz Yisrael, I mean the expression the Holy Land. Now, the Ephet uh, Holy Ephet Holy like that of a Jew has had its content defined and consecrated by generations of our people. From the time of the giving of the law, when the title Kingdom of Priests and a Holy Nation was bestowed on us, and when the Jewish people were granted the Holy Land according to its borders, the land of the Canaanite the, and the Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, until the present day and including it, yours truly. 
P.S. As for your question, with regard to my attitude towards the Holy Land, etc., I trust you saw my reply to the question, Who is a Jew?, which has been published both here in America and in Eretz Yisrael. You particularly question with regard to immigration and settling in Eretz Yisrael does not indicate whether it refers to yourself or it is on on a general way, but my answer would depend on the circumstances of each individual, for it is not possible to give a blanket advice on such an important question. I should like, however, to emphasize one general point, no matter how much is expected of a Jew in regard to Torah and mitzvot, wherever he may be, a great deal more is expected of him if he is in Eretz Yisrael of which the Torah says it is a land on which are the eyes of God from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, so much so that it is regarded as a holy land even among non-Jews. Our sages refer to it as the palace of the king. A person wishing to enter the royal palace must be prepared to answer such questions as for what business he is there, and he must be prepared in every way it is demonstrated by his conduct and actions that he realizes he is in the royal palace. It is unnecessary to elaborate. May God grant that you will succeed in what is your tune and inner purpose in life, namely to spread Yiddishkeit and in an ever-growing way, and may you have good news to report always. The land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Let's see again how many pages we have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, 13, 13 more pages for our Hashem's 13 attributes of divine mercy, the 13 principles of the Rambam of Jewish faith, and me and my 12 children, Kanai and Hara. Okay, let's do it. Okay, the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people, 12th of Elul, 5728, Brooklyn, New York. To Mr. Ariel General Sharon, bleeding, uh, greetings and blessings. Okay, um, let's go back to the footnote. Igros Kodesh, volume 25, page 169-172. This letter was written after the Six-Day War in which large parts of Eretz Israel were liberated from the Arabs. It was written in to General Ariel Sharon, who had already told the Rebbe about his concern that the Israeli government was planning to return the newly won territories. The Rebbe's comments here are based on his well-known position that it is forbidden by the Torah and dangerous for the Jews of Israel to relinquish any part of Eretz Israel. For a survey of the Rebbe's teachings on this subject, see When Silence is a Sin, published by Sichos in English, 5765. The land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. 12th of Elul, uh, 5728, Brooklyn, New York, to Mr. Ariel General Sharon. Greetings and blessings. I acknowledge with gratitude the receipt of your letter from the 24th of Av, which has reached me after a slight delay and pardon for the delay of the answer. With respect to the contents of your letter, as we talked about here, I completely agree about the liberated territories, etc., etc., as we've discussed at length. However, to my sorrow, I don't agree with you that the change in public opinion in Eretz Israel will bring about a change regarding the position of the circles which determine the policies. According to the information that I have coming 
coming from the sources that have been reliable until now. There's no change at all in the views of the above-mentioned circles in terms of action. It would be wonderful if the shift in public opinion would lead to a change, at least in the unofficial policy, but as of now it is being materialized by concrete actions to maintain the Arab character of the old city of Jerusalem. Their explanation for this policy is that they are obligated to maintain the status quo of this part of the city was as it was portrayed when it was conquered last year because it would be immoral and unjust, in quotes, etc., to take advantage of the victory to impose any changes upon the residents who were there at the time of the conquest. It is clear what the results of this policy will be in terms of action and everyday life, especially since the policymakers think that they can fulfill their obligation to the Jewish population by bringing Jews to live in the neighborhoods in the vicinities of the section of the city we are discussing. I take for granted that my letter to you is unofficial and impersonal since I am not interested in publicizing the faults of other Jews since it is not my business to speak against Jews, especially regarding those who have the power to accomplish great and wonderful things in these matters and for strange and peculiar reasons. They are not doing this, but just the opposite. It is also understood that the intent of my letter here is not to blame somebody and what is there to gain by such an accusation, but just to express my pain, at least in writing to you and to those according to your discernment, it would be of benefit to inform them about the contents of my lines here. In the light of their present policy regarding the holy city of Jerusalem. you can easily understand that the situation is far worse with respect to Hebron, where there are only Arab residents and there was no base Hamikdash and where the Arab settlement is well established and developed and even orderly according to some reports. All this will make it even easier for the government to pursue such a policy there. Despite all these considerations, repeated requests have been submitted about the possibility of establishing a yeshiva, etc. in Hebron, and I've received a very clear answer that it would be better for me to think about, in quotes, to think about a yeshiva in Yerushalayim rather than in Hebron. Despite all of this, I have not given up hope, but it is not a ship the shift in the Jewish public opinion that will bring about a change, but only the mistakes of the Arabs and their supporters, just as it was in the past. I was exactly, it was exactly that sort of mistake last year, which forced the pursuers of peace, in quotes, to finally agree that the country had to take action to defend itself. And as a result, they supported a first strike. I can only hope that in the future, such things will occur in an easier manner and any, without any spiritual um, physical or even economic harm to our fellow Jews, wherever they may be. It is amazing to see that the Torah's description of our nation as a stiff-necked people is not only accurate until this day, but that there are Jews who are using this trait for things that are completely opposed to the Torah and the vital interest of our people. Their stubborn belief in the kindness of the non-Jewish nations has grown to the extent, despite the warnings of our prophets and seers, that the kindness of the nations is sin that even the Soviet, <laughs> even the Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia in the spring of 1968, a popular movement for cultural and political liberation in Czechoslovakia was ruthlessly suppressed by Russian tanks on the streets of Prague, could not shake their misguided faith in the ben uh, beneficence of the non-Jewish world. 
But let me conclude on a positive note. Thank you very much for the warm greetings you delivered when you visited Kfar Chabad. According to the letters and the reports that reached me, you spoke from the heart and with real warmth, and it gave a great deal of strength and encouragement to the people there. They, like everyone else, need a lot of encouragement, especially in these days with so many things happening in the world, and especially in a land that God watches constantly from the beginning of the year until the end of the year, as it is written in our Torah on Devarim. On the other hand, the land that is surrounded by enemies who are continually discovering new points of weakness in the way the government of our Holy Land chooses to deal with them. The present government feels that it has to treat the Arabs with silk gloves and with the greatest caution. And if there is a dispute between an Arab and an Israelite, the government first tries to figure out what people will say in this capital of the world or that one, and according to this, decide what to do. That is the reason why from time to time our enemies allow themselves to be engaged in disturbances and even riots, and then from riots they go on to sabotage and terrorism, etc., etc. Since we are approaching the new year, in accordance with the traditional blessing may be God's will that as as the old year comes to an end we should see an end to all the undesirable phenomena the traditional saying refers to the curses of the previous year but characteristically the Rebbe amends the language to avoid the explicit mention of anything negative um, that we should see an end to all the undesirable phenomena that appear during the year they should completely be completely and absolutely eliminated right at the beginning of the new year or even in the final days of the present year. We should see the beginning of a new blessing, including a fundamental shift in the government policies we have been discussing, and this should happen without waiting for any undesirable events that might necessitate the change. Only a short time ago, they saw miracles that were performed by God, who is omnipotent, and he can do everything he wants to do, unlimited miracles, as the traditional saying goes, in a way that is clearly and visibly good, with blessings that you and your family should be inscribed and sealed for a good sweet year. Menachem Schneerson, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, the hidden treasure within every Jew, 43. What follows here is not a single letter, but a collection of brief quotes from a number of letters and talks by the Rebbe. And especially since the Jewish people are described by the prophet as a desirable land, uh, Malachi and all the nations of the world shall praise you, for you shall be a desirable land. Eretz Chafetz uh, says, the Lord of hosts, in his commentary on Tanakh, Rashi explains that it means a land in which I, God, take delight. Um... It is well-known teaching the Baal Shem Tov explains this metaphor as follows. Just as when one looks at the surface of the earth from above, there's no way to estimate the treasures that are hidden deep within it. So too, when one looks at a Jewish man or woman, one should be aware that immense spiritual treasures are hidden within the soul of that person. Igros Kodesh, volume 19, page 27. Also see how Yom Yom, for a second of Elul, hidden within every Jew, there are great treasures, a love of God and a fear of God and fine character traits, even if they are not visible to the casual observer. Bringing these treasures to the surface depends entirely upon the individual, upon his willingness to work, his patience, and his perseverance. <clears throat> the Baal Shem Tov and the Altar Rebbe taught us that every Jew is a desirable land, a land that is cherished because it contains immense immeasurable treasures. So too, every Jew in every time and every place possesses immense spiritual treasures 
and he has within himself the hidden point of Judaism, the work that is necessary to reveal and to bring to the surface that point of Judaism, which is presently hidden and invisible. For as soon as that happens, the hidden spiritual treasures will also be revealed. In a single moment, we can accomplish great and wonderful things if we make use of all the spiritual powers and treasures that exist deep within the Jewish soul. In the language of the Alter Rebbe, we have the power to reveal not only the light that shines from the inner point of the heart, in the original Haras Nekudas Halev, but also the very essence of the inner point of the heart, in the original Atzmios Nekudas Halev. It is a mistake to think that in order to do something good for the entire Jewish people, one must be a rabbi or a great Torah scholar, every Jewish capable of accomplishing this through his prayers and supplications to God, the Kutesichos. May it be God's will that these few lines will awaken for them the inner powers that are present within the soul of every Jew so that these powers will be revealed and utilized to an ever greater extent. 50. Igros Kodesh, volume 18, page 413. We see from this that one of the Rebbe's tasks is to awaken the hidden spiritual powers that exist within every Jew so that the person will use these powers in a practical way. How to say thank you. One of the most important attributes we look for in people is the ability to say thank you. The sensitivity to appreciate that a favor has been done and the forthrightness to express that appreciation openly. Appreciation stems from involvement. The deeper the relationship between the people, the more one appreciates the uniqueness of the other. When the person appreciates a colleague, he is motivated to do whatever he can for that other person. If this is true with regard to our relationship with our fellow man, it certainly applies with regard to our relationship with God. One of the major thrusts in Judaism is to show appreciation of the good that God constantly bestows upon us. Here, too, the emphasis is on appreciating not only the material dimension of God's kindness, but also the love and care that he shows hours on every person. <clears throat> In this vein, we can understand the consequence of the subjects mentioned in this week's Torah <coughs> reading of Kitavo. The reading begins by describing the mitzvah, the commandment of Bikurim, the first fruits that the Jews would bring to the temple, and shortly afterwards speaks of a covenant concerning the entire Torah. What is the connection between these subjects? The mitzvah of Bikurim was instituted to show our gratitude for the good God has granted us and to display our appreciation to him for granting us all the blessings of this world. This appreciation is not expressed merely by words of thanks, but through deed. A person would select his first fruits and make a special journey to bring them to Jerusalem as an offering to show his thanks to God. Moreover, the first fruits would thereby become consecrated consecrated, indicating that a lasting connection to God's holiness had been established within the material world. Herein lies a connection to the entire Torah, for in a larger sense, Every aspect of a person's life can become Bikurim. We are always standing before God, and we should express our thanks for His goodness. To refer back to showing appreciation to a friend, saying thanks in a meaningful way requires a person to tune into the mindset of the person he wants to thank. If he doesn't, his gesture is superficial, perhaps satisfying his own need, but not giving anything to the other person. Here, too, a parallel applies in our relationship with God. We must say thank you in a way that he would appreciate, serving him according to his conception, not our own. This lesson, this lesson is uniquely appropriate for the 
present time of year, the month of Elul, when we take stock of our divine service of the previous year and prepare for the coming year beginning in a few short weeks. It is time to think seriously of all the good God has given us and say thank you by increasing our observance of the Torah and its mitzvahs. From Keeping in Touch by Rabbi Eliyahu Tug, Tug published by Sichos in English, adopted from a letter by the Rebbe. Wow. Um, okay, that was chapter two of I Believe. Now, um, I think that uh, for tomorrow we will do, um, I will do the davening on my own in the morning. And I will just do the, um, <clears throat> the chapter three for the Parakshira, Pirkyavos, Tehillim, um, or book three, and uh, chapter three of I Believe. Um, I will think about that. I'm sure you gained a lot from this. Um, <clears throat> the knowledge, uh, may it stick with you. Um, the ideas and uh, some practical application of what you need uh, from the contents of all of his letters. <clears throat> your own life um, individually as a family as families Jewish people and uh, for world peace and uh, strengthen strengthen we are strengthened okay um, Zachariah has showed me how to turn this off I press a little button here that says view. Shalom, my loves. Happy birthday, Yitzi. All of you were in my mind. And heart and prayers.